Hello, everybody, and welcome to week two of the uh, Lean Toss-Up College Football Podcast. That was that was a heck of a week. It was a pretty long week, too. Uh, the, the final game finally ended there on, on Monday night uh, with Clemson deciding to go for a random, completely pointless touchdown with a, par- a better-looking quarterback than they started the game with. But that's, that's that's we'll talk a bit more about that later. But yeah, week one is officially in the books now. I am joined, as always, uh, by my co-host, Buck Metrics, to talk about it and, and the games for the next week. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm going through five detox of five days of football, but um, I'm definitely better than Jeff Collins is today. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was not fun. I like they at moments they look like they could like legitimately compete in that game, and then they lose it by thirty-one. Yeah. Um, just wow, not not good, not good for them, and in some ways not even like slightly worse for Clemson. Like uh, DJ looked horrible at times like well i mean he looked he looked slightly better but like it was just the offense was extremely unimaginative it was like they ran the ball way too many times they were like basically they, they wouldn't let him throw the ball basically anywhere it was just not a good look for for a clemson team that is fourth i think in one of the polls i can't remember which poll it is but it's like they're they're like there's only a top five team there um yeah what and do you have any thoughts on, on that game yeah, it, it it's just um you know it, it became almost sad and he when he did you know appear to be a little better it just it was sad in that the you know the play-by-play and color and both the the color guys were you know talking about him like he's a you know a rookie in his first start who has an 85 mile an hour fastball and only one off speed pitch i mean it was just kind of like hey that a boy see you can do it it wasn't really like, yeah, this is the Clemson quarterback, you know, the top five team. It was more like, hey, had a boy. This guy might make it at Eastern Michigan or something. It was, it was kind of sad. I mean, it's hard to forget. Well, it's it's, it's easy to for for some people. I think it's easy to remember that this is a guy who came in, filled Trevor Lawrence's shoes, took down Notre Dame mm-hmm. because Trevor Lawrence had had COVID back in that in the in the twenty twenty one season, like basically help them beat Clemson, help them beat Notre Dame to basically secure a slot in the, in the college football playoff. Yeah. And now we're, we're talking about this guy. He can't throw the ball more than like five yards down the field. And like, he could do some <laughs> running plays, but like that offense was very anemic and they have a lot like, can Florida state beat them? Florida state didn't look horrible against LSU. Like I, I, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if this team loses to to Florida State and like a couple other teams. Like, there there could be in really big trouble in the in the ACC this year. Yep, absolutely agree. So, anyways, let's get started with our uh, dashboard. So, uh, what what just happened this last weekend? Uh, where are we now, and what happens next? I'll let you. I'll let you begin. Okay, so the executive dashboard, the first window, um, informing informing the narrative. These are the. Uh, events that basically either confirm or rebut narratives that we've had coming into the week. Um, you know, the first thing that sticks out to me, Oklahoma state gives up 546 yards and 44 points to central Michigan, 6.2 yards per play. Um, kind of in line, actually an extreme, <laughs> extreme version that's in line with when I said um, they're losing a lot and whatever they do have, is going to be a little transition to Derek Mason that that's more than a little transition. That was interesting. Definitely something to remember. Um, 
Secondly, one thing that really sticks out to me, Toledo held Long Island U to 117 yards. Now, that would not be so remarkable, uh, but that's a really small number, and this really kind of reinforces what I had said when we talked about the MAC. And I said, keep an eye on Toledo at San Diego State. I, you know, we kind of put that in the interesting category. I think that game becomes extremely interesting based on what we saw uh, at San Diego State Saturday. Uh, Temple got all of 179 yards and zero points at Duke. And Temple was the first team, fittingly, that I spoke about in the first preseason pod. And I said, let's see if it's going to be rough for them, really, really rough for them this year uh, when they play UMass. And that was in that game's in game five. And I think we can actually move that narrative up to, you know, today. I think Temple's going to be, you know, they have bottom 10 national potential. Um, next, James Madison University in their first game as a member of the F or as of the Sun Belt and FBS, um, they beat Middle Tennessee State forty-four to seven. They outgained them by five hundred forty-eight to one hundred nineteen. I bring this up because when we talked about the Sun Belt East, I had mentioned that Georgia Southern is in a world of hurt because they're they're stuck behind a bunch of teams that are in division that know how to win. And what I liked about JMU is that they had a winning pedigree. I didn't know if they had the talent. Now, Middle Tennessee is not by any means a great Conference USA team, but they're not as bad as, you know, some of these other really bad teams we like to talk about. Um, you know, they're garden variety poor. JMU just just completely dump trucked them. And so I think that this just shows just, just how tough that Sunbelt East is. You know, so number one, Georgia Southern is in for a very rough ride in their division. And I think... You know, it's going to be a dogfight. I can't see the winner of the Sun Belt East having less than two losses in conference. Um, <clears throat> next thing that sticks out to me, Buffalo got less than 300 yards at Maryland. Maryland is just notorious for having great offenses and horrible defenses. I don't remember if we talked about Buffalo in in when we talked about the MAC, but I was very skeptical about their new coach that replaced uh, Leopold and the excuses that that were made for him were a little bit legitimate, but seemed a lot more made up. It's not like he was going to a rebuild. He was taking over a very good program. And this just kind of shows me that Buffalo is, I think, not only just in a bad spot, but really, you know, headed in the wrong direction. Um, and last, Charlotte, the 49ers give up almost 560 yards to William and Mary. My goodness. Uh, they were only four point favorites over William and Mary. They got skunked. Um, Bringing this up because it's really in line with what I had said after week zero, which is that Charlotte has serious, serious problems on defense. Any thoughts on any of those? Um, no, I, I a lot of those are really important to, to keep an eye on. Temple, again, I think Temple could be a bottom five team in the uh, in the F, F, FBS this year. Um, JMU, welcome to the league. Uh, it's a nice welcome for them. Maryland, I think that was more Maryland struggling. Like they could not put that Buffalo team away. Um, and yeah, I think if I was actually add one more point to this, I might actually say that um, one interesting thing is that uh, if you look at Arizona and Kansas, kind of when we talk about coaching, both those teams seem to be heading in the right direction. Um, Kansas obliterated a D2 team. Now, again, that's not necessarily particularly um, interesting or fascinating, but last year they really struggled to put away a D2 team in their opening game of the season. Um, 
but they're already at one win. And uh, Arizona, another team we've been looking at, we, we, we sometimes like Jed Fish as a, as a head coach. They put away San Diego State. So, again, those are two programs, and it can just show how good a new head coach, when you put a new a, a, a head coach that, that a lot of people like into a program, that they can really start trending in the right direction. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, all right. So the next window of the dashboard market intelligence. So these are based on opening lines from Circa on Sunday at a, around 11 a.m. Pacific is when they release those. Um, I consider them the official voice of, of opening and closing lines. So these have moved, um, but I found these really interesting of the opening lines. Boise State giving only 15 to New Mexico. New Mexico has really struggled for years and years and years. I thought uh, Danny Gonzalez was going to improve them. He really has made very minimal progress, and Boise State giving only 15 to a team that bad is eye-opening, you know, shocking. It, it, it's 16 and a half now, but still, though, that's not that's still under three touchdowns, right? So that's still not a horrible bet necessarily. That is a late Friday night game. Yeah, I what? So you're? Does that sound like you like Boise? I mean, again, like we 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 didn't like Boise before, and. To be fair, we still yeah. don't particularly like Boise as a, <laughs> as a team, but again, it's New Mexico, right? Like they they could win they could win by this game by thirty, and we could still be like, yeah, they they still suck, right? So, but yeah, fifteen, and, and that's still a low number for a, relative, a really bad New Mexico team. And again, you're Boise State, right? This is you're supposed to be a lot better than this, but yeah, it, sixteen and a half makes you think, but maybe I'm I might I, I think Boise might be the play there, but we'll have to see. Wow, I'm kind of socking that away for later in terms of. This could be a really, you know, even a worse season for boys than I kind of painted it out in the preview. Um, you know, it's interesting. Just think about two years ago when Harson was still there. This would have been 30. <laughs> wow. Um, that's that's quite a change in a very short period of time. Uh, next next opening line stood out to me. Marshall at Notre Dame. Notre Dame giving only 18 reason that stands out to me is um, Notre Dame had a great defense last year. We talked about this when we talked about them in the preview. Their defense figured to be you know, even improved off of that, and I think they showed every bit of that at Ohio State. Now, Ohio State, it's tough when you lose, not just when you lose a guy like uh, Smith and Jigba, but particularly the game in which you lose him is, is when it's the most treacherous because you don't really have a game plan around that. But Notre Dame's defense is still for real. And it's just interesting that a defense that good is only favored by 18 over a conference U.S. Well, I, I'm they're basically a conference USA team. They're in the Sun Belt this year, but they're coming from conference USA, which I had as the second worst. It you now like that's up to 20 and a half. Um, it's just interesting that like the first blush is the market saying mm, we don't really believe in this Notre Dame offense, and I think yeah. a pretty good reason. Yeah, I mean, that was the, the one big takeaway was that, like, because, again, when you watch that game, you could be like, okay, Ohio State is bad. Or you could say, okay, maybe Notre Dame's defense is really good, but Notre Dame's offense was not, like, they could, like, again, this was, a, and again, to be fair, you have to look at this the other way. Ohio State's defense last year was horrible, right? Like, it was, it, that, that defense just bled yards to a lot of teams, and it could not stop the run. It, it lost to Oregon. It lost to Michigan. Just ran the ball down their throats. Notre Dame tried to throw, tried to run the ball a lot. That did not. That was not particularly effective. 
So, and then throwing the ball was not particularly effective with Tyler Buckner either. So that's concerning. Now, again, this is, this is a great get right spot for, for Notre Dame here. It's Marshall, even 20 and a half. It's still lower than 21. Like Notre Dame could win that game 21, nothing. And then that would be, that'd be the cover, right? That's a little iffy though, but that's, that, that could be what that is, right? That defense is for real. And maybe Ohio State's defense has gotten better, right? We're trying to, I think we're trying to compare Notre Dame's current offense to Ohio State's last year's defense. And here's the thing, like, we'll, we'll know, right? I think Ohio State plays Penn State, I think, next week, if I'm not mistaken. Not this week, next week. So, like, let's see what this Ohio State defense does in the next couple of weeks. If it, set, if it does really well, then, okay, maybe we're going to talk, maybe you can talk a little bit better of, of the Notre Dame offense. But if it's the same old Ohio State defense, then this Notre Dame team has a problem, and it needs to solve that fast. Yeah, I'm... I'm just checking real quick. Uh, you know, I didn't think that um, Marshall was, I mean, they were okay on defense. They were above average, but you know, I'm just thinking I can't, I can't see Marshall getting, getting over 14 points. It's just, you know, bars base of the market saying Notre Dame's not going to score 35 against, a, you know, this is not to demean Marshall in any way, but there's just, you know, they're coming out of conference USA, which is just a, you know, really poor conference. Interesting. Um, yeah, something to keep an eye on. Next game that or next opening line stuck out to me was Kansas State giving eight at home to Missouri. Just interesting that um, you know it's been kind of the the sneaky smart guy team, Kansas State, and you know they're they're giving more than a touchdown to an SEC team. Now Missouri is hardly you know the best of the SEC, but they're they're an SEC team. They're not a pretend SEC team like Vanderbilt. Um, you know, that's come down to seven and a half. It just, again, kind of speaks to a lot of belief, you know, in Kansas state. Yeah. Do you think that gets down to less than seven? Uh, I don't, I think, I mean, it's down to seven and a half. I think that's just, that just looks like a little bit of the flag was trip off, trimmed off the number. <laughs> um, I think that that seven is such a big number. I think it, it just stays there. It's, I just, I think there's just, like I said, you know, if you're on monitoring like the right accounts on Twitter, there was so much belief preseason in Kansas State, and this just really is just you know a really firm data point supporting that. I I, I definitely think it's earned. Like I I look at that number and I might want Kansas State there. I think they could definitely with Adrian with Adrian Martinez. I think yeah they could definitely do something there. I think that's that's not maybe a bad play at all. And you know, honestly, just kind of the whole scenario that I drew up in the preseason pod about Adrian Martinez was doing kind of God's work in Nebraska. And you look at just what a joke they are still, and he's got to be laughing, and he was hurt too. And they're probably thinking, yeah, this guy had good numbers and just at, at an absolute clown show. You know, now that he's got a really, really good coach and a well-defined system, they could really do something. Well, and, and this is this is what we said. I said on the pod last week, right? We always viewed Nebraska as this extremely unlucky team that was due for like positive regression to the mean in terms of luck. That's just not happening. But at the same time, it now just my now thesis of Nebraska is it's basically a bad coaching staff being propped up by talent. And that would the last year's talent was basically Adrian Martinez. Mm -hmm. If he goes, if he goes and succeeds in Kansas, that actually would just prove that the, that thesis basically. So yeah, like I, yeah. I like Kansas state here and maybe I might play some props on that one, but we'll have to see. But yeah, I, 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 I think Kansas state's the play. Yeah, I definitely agree. This, this, really grabbed my attention. It's moved a lot since. So Circa opened Northwestern giving six, and now that's up to 10. Um, am I crazy in reading a lot into the six? Sorry, Northwestern um, hosting Duke. 
And the reason I am I can kind of believe that is I'm I'm very skeptical of what I saw um, in Ireland and just you know the game of his life for um, Holinsky and you know just inevitably waiting for Nebraska to do things like just make stupid plays and miss tackles and just be out of position. Um, I think a lot of as I kind of speak through it, I think a lot of just the dumb stuff that Nebraska did, you're not going to see Duke doing. Duke is in a rebuild mode, but Mike Elko is an absolutely proven defensive guy. And I think that's what I read into that six. That number is so small and it, you know, now the, the now that it's up to 10, yeah, it does look small. I'm kind of going to use that as initial data point and maybe grab the points, he said. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm completely on board with you that. That number, like even at minus six, that looked fraudulent. And apparently people have taken that minus six and run with it to 10. Like now you're not only just getting a touchdown, but you're also now getting a touchdown and a field goal. Mm -hmm. Like I love that 10. And and the thing of it is like that Nebraska, like I watched that game. The Northwestern quarterback was bad. Like Casey Thompson was a much better quarterback. They were not a particularly good team. Nebraska just screwed it up. And they almost screwed up against a D2 team this year, this this week. They were tied 7-7 at the half with a D2 team. Yeah. Now they pulled it out in the, the fourth quarter, which again that should have happened two quarters before then. But again, like I, I like I think that Nebraska, I think Northwestern got lucky, and I I don't trust that North Nebraska uh, Northwestern quarterback. I think Mm-mm. Duke's quarterback is actually pretty good. Yeah, I'm taking the points. I might even take the money line on that one. That's like I I think Duke could, could is prime for an upset here. This is the battle of like uh, two like academic universities here. So yeah, let's go. Like one's giving ten points, the other I think you, you take the points. Yeah, and I guess along those same lines, um, the total on this is posted. I've got fifty-eight right now, and going back to you know what I said, my my years of nerdery has, have taught me to kind of look at these numbers, just these mundane numbers. The average total in a football game is fifty-six. Um, I've got two really a bad offense and a suspect offense. And I've got a, at least one really good defensive coach going against a very proven shaky quarterback. That 58 seems high to me. Um, I might just put a really small one on that. Just, just to kind of reinforce just, yeah, I guess the worst case is yeah. St. Duke's offense just doesn't show up. I don't think Northwestern is going to make this an above average scoring game, especially with the pace they're going to play and with the pace at which Duke has to play really. Yeah, I, I agree. I the the play here is, in my opinion, it's Duke. Yeah. Um, this next one, let me see if I can find the the price now. It's, I, I have the price now. Yeah. Okay, so Houston opened up uh, Pickham at Texas Tech. What is that now? It is Houston plus three. Wow! Really? Yeah. Okay. So that that kind of blows my mind. Um, I, I I agree. It seems crazy, but like. I kind of want Texas Tech. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, preseason, I was, you know, I, I appreciated that Texas had a really good season last year. They were one of the luckier teams, and they just really didn't sh- – they didn't show any reason to improve a lot. It's not like they were super young or going up the rolling curve or anything on either side of the ball. And Texas Tech was surprising that, you know, they've got, you know, Kitley as an offensive coordinator and DeRuder as a defensive coordinator – um, reinforcing. I didn't say they were going to win. I said they were the kind of team that was ready to strike at a soft target. I don't know if Houston's a soft target. 
it's interesting though Texas Tech is favored. Maybe this is just maybe they kind of took some of the advanced thinking out of it and just said, okay, um, Power Five against G five, and the Power Fives at home. Maybe just boil down to that. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I think it's uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't hate you. This is actually this will actually be a uh, a Big Twelve. This will be a Big Twelve matchup yeah. next year. So yeah, uh, a big Big Twelve versus Big Twelve matchup. But yeah, I like. I don't want to. I don't want to touch this at this line. I think it's probably might like Texas Tech might actually have some expectations this year. And again, they're minus three against Houston, a D two team that really looked bad against UTSA last week. Let's see what like. Let's see how this game shakes out. Like we could be looking at Texas Tech again. I'm sure that they actually have to play everybody in the Big Twelve. So like they're gonna play Baylor. They're gonna be playing Texas. They're gonna play Oklahoma. That might be a team we look to in a couple weeks on some some value spots here. So. I think maybe props for this game is the best, but yeah, like the Houston plus three is really attractive though, but Texas tech might just be the better team. Yeah. I think at the preseason pod, I actually called out, um, I'm looking forward to September 24th. So it's going to be week four. Texas is at Texas tech. I think I called that out as the, you know, the soft target that Texas tech was ready to strike at. Um, so we'll see. That's going to be interesting in just two weeks. You know, Texas has got an interesting run here. They're after Alabama. They host UTSA, could be sneaky tough. And then at Texas Tech, first road game of the season. Interesting games for Texas coming up. Yes. Um, and then lastly, under market intelligence, uh, I got a couple paired here together. UNLV plus 13 at Cal and Kansas plus 14 at West Virginia. And I think my guy has that down to 13 and a half for Kansas. Yeah, 13 and a half, but 13 for UNLV at Cal still sticks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I paired these because these are two the these are two programs on the road that have just been kind of left for dead forever, and they've got different degrees of like secret um, coming back to life, if you will. I think Kansas is a little more on the grid with that one of their their few wins last year being that one over Texas that kind of got them some attention, and their coach is a lot more well known. Um, I found it interesting, though, that um, UNLV is actually playing at a Pac-12 school, and it's you know roughly the same spread. And you know UNLV is kind of still not on anybody's radar. Uh, the reminder is, before the season when I was in Vegas, um, I was looking when I was doing all my bets and sketching out what I was going to do. My analysis was bet on UNLV over four and a half, and by the time I got to Vegas, it actually been bet down to four. So. I don't. I don't even know if you can say UNLV is on nobody's radar. As long as it, it's maybe it's more of like people who have them on their radar don't believe in them. So they're already a quarter of the way there. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they are. Yeah, I I absolutely love Kansas here. I I was able to nab Kansas. I think on Sunday at fourteen and a half. I love that. I actually do like the money line here too. Like this West Virginia team. Yeah, they took Pitt to the to the to the lot to the to the to the wire basically but i kind of think that's more both those teams being bad like this is the thing you always have to think right when you see two teams have a really close week one matchup does that mean that both of them are good or both of them are bad right so i think what people are saying is they're saying okay because like Pitt is still and if you look at the ap and coaches poll this week they're still both those teams are still ranked like uh sorry Pitt is still ranked and like they barely moved like their their ranking didn't change at all from from last week which it should have because the fact that an unranked west virginia team 
almost beat them, if not for an insanely lucky pick six at the end, near the end of the game, which like it wasn't even a pick six. It was deflected off of a wide receiver's hand into the arms of a deep, a DB and then ran in like, so that was not really their fault, but no, like this Kansas team destroyed a D2 team. Now, again, that's not necessarily the most emblematic of anything, but at the same time, this is a Kansas team that has struggled for a long time, a very, very long time. And if this team believes they can win, and that West Virginia team had a lot of mistakes, that was not a particularly amazing performance out of West Virginia, that team could have crushed that pit team, and they just didn't. They like There's a lot of times when they let up, they they let soft plays through. They they couldn't capitalize on drives. So like yeah no, give me Kansas, give me the points. This team, if this team believes in itself, watch out for this team. This team could be very dangerous. Yeah yeah no they're um they're really the team you don't want to play in conference especially because it you're it's going to be impossible to get your team up except for Texas and ironically that's something that Sark specializes in is just losing the game like that. So yeah, the other, yeah, it's, it's Lance Leopold, right? Cause we talked about this last year. He basically, he came in, to, he replaced Les miles, rebuilt this team up last year. It was bad last year. They got the two wins. They got the, the they got the two wins against a D one team in Texas, which is hilarious. But then like, look, like look at the leap from year one to year two. And again, we're obviously projecting a little bit of that, but like, I think this team is a lot better and their quarterback had it. Yeah. Like they, they they had a really good day, so yeah, give me the points. That West Virginia team was pretty shaky. Give me the points. Yep, yep. And yeah, his his third year is when they made a big step up, but they made um, a step up from year one to year two at Buffalo too. So he's kind of you know. Next 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 off season, we when to see Big Twelve lines. We might be the first one. We might be like Kansas twenty to one to win the Big Twelve. Wow. Well, the new Big Twelve. Why not? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, might no, be no, something no. I'm going to look have- at. Yeah, they'll still have Texas and Oklahoma. I can't, I, I can't go that boldly. Um, all right, so dashboard, next box. BBMI, brand-based market inertia. Um, there seems to be some movement on these lines too. Maryland opened at giving 23 to Charlotte. Um, I think that's up to 27 now, which makes more sense. I don't yeah. know why it would be that short. That... Um, that just kind of speaks to, I don't know, people just thinking Maryland still has problems on defense and I guess believing in Chris Reynolds as a good quarterback for Charlotte. Um, yeah, is it 27 now? Is that it's, what you're saying? I've got, I've got 27. Yeah. That was a weird game because like, usually um, the the Tonga Valoa, who's the Maryland quarterback, usually throws a ton of passing touchdowns, but they decided to start running the ball in last time. And I was The thing was, this was one of the only games on at noon, so I actually watched a lot of this game. Um, but like, yeah, it was not the greatest look by Maryland, but at the same point in time, I, yeah, I think Charlotte, my team might be in really bad shape. So I kind of, I, yeah, I, you can't bet on the Charlotte team right now. No, I think the play there might be Maryland in the first half. Um, who knows what you're going to do at the end of the game. We've, we've talked about, you know, the spreads at some point just become a matter of, are you betting on, you know, how soon do the backups come in and all that, um, minus 15 and a half first half. Wow, really? I thought it'd be way higher than that. Yeah, that's definitely if that's under seventeen, I I, I will definitely play that. Um, then the other one, uh, Air Force opened giving only fifteen to Colorado, and I've got a little more on Colorado later. Um, but this just seems like I don't know if it's an appreciation for or lack of understanding of just how bad Colorado is. If there's still a little of that twenty twenty magic built into what some of these early lines are, or if people are just not really appreciating that. Air Force last year took a big step forward and they showed no signs of giving it back. I think that's up to 17 now. 17 and a half, yeah. 
Wow, yeah, that makes more sense. Still, I think that just I can't see that one being close. That yeah, yeah. that Colorado performance against TCU was not particularly fun. I don't. Uh, I think that we could see that line. Like, I would not hate that line right now. I think that that could. Yeah. Yeah, like Air Force was really good. I think who they play last week. Uh, Northern Iowa. Yeah, and they crushed them. I think. Yeah. They got like seven hundred yards. Yeah, it was it was not particularly close. Let me just see if there's a if there's a seventeen or another book I have. But yeah, I, I do really like Air Force. I, I like them. Yeah. Not seventeen and a half, both books. Yeah. Okay, uh, next window. The my top quarterback. So these are the ones that have the top QB plus versus FBS only so far uh, through week one. Number one, Tanner Mordecai for SMU makes sense. Had a very good season last year. Uh, Rhett Lashley comes into SMU, picks up where Sonny left off, and they beat North Texas, which they've made a habit of. They just absolutely destroyed them. Number two, Keaton Slovis. I did not see this coming. I spent a good amount of the offseason uh, ripping him apart. There's still plenty of time, but for this week, all props to Mr. Slovis. Number three, not surprisingly, uh, Stetson Bennett on of Georgia. We'll have a little bit more on that game later. Number four, Caleb Williams of USC. Um, we'll get into USC later. Um, he was pretty much just, just perfect. I think he had only three incompletions, and he threw for like 11 yards a pass. I know it was Rice, but... USC doesn't play like that usually against those bad teams. And number five, Riley Leonard of Duke. Um, hello. <laughs> now again, it was against Temple, but pretty interesting data point for that uh, that that Duke at Northwestern getting ten. Duke plus ten. Duke yeah. Money line. Let's do this. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Yeah. Um, so the top receivers. So these are the most productive based on um, yardage, yardage and catches. Um, number one. Rasheed Rice of SMU. I've not heard of him, but that makes sense based with what um, SMU did against North Texas. Number two, Jaquan Burton at Florida Atlantic. They've scored a lot of points in two games. Unfortunately, they did not score enough in Utah or at Ohio last week, but um, the offense really has it all together. The next three I'm going to put together, it's very interesting. We have Tyron Smith and Ronaldo, Ronaldo Flores of UTEP, and then Jake McCallion of Arizona. So we've got three receivers developed by my guy, Dana Dimmel, at UTEP. So I am not giving up on the UTEP over five and a half. There is hope, just like I said last week. Well, there's definitely hope. I'm not giving up on UTEP over – I mean, again, they played um, North Texas, and then they also played Oklahoma. So it's definitely not yeah. fair to say that their season is over. But, yeah – Give give them give. There's some hope for UTEP. I'm not. I don't think they're completely done yet. Yep. Uh, you can. You, you have two re- receivers that are that explosive. You're not going to be out of any game, uh, I, I, except apparently if you're at Oklahoma. Um, but you know what I mean. <laughs> you're not out of any. Not out of any conference game. Um, next window. The USC update. So um, very very nice break for us Trojan fans. The 66 points that they scored against Rice was the most since 2008. At Washington State, if anybody is that old and remembers it like me, it was against the the ill-fated Paul Wolf, um, Washington State Cougars. Paul Wolf was the butt of a lot of jokes from that 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 point forward among me and my friends. Um, Caleb Williams, like I said, they've got him as the fourth best uh, quarterback in FBS for Week One. They had no turnovers against Rice, and that's only the fourth time they only did that four times in the preceding three seasons. It's a great way, great way to start. Um, Rayleigh Brown in the in the in the preseason pod about USC, I said I don't know where he fits, and I gotta say I know exactly where he fits. Um, I don't know if in Canada because you all are more well balanced than we are. You know we have a concept here of fu money where basically you just walk around and you have fu money. 
Um, Rayleigh Brown has FU talent. He's just one of those guys that just like, I don't want to say you can't stop, but it's like, oh no, what are we going to do about this guy? And I don't like when that much is, you know, you're a, a true freshman is that much of a fulcrum player, but it's awesome when you have one of those guys at running back and another one at receiver and Jordan Addison. This is just the kind of dimension that just keeps you up at night if you're going against that kind of offense because you're just you're just thinking, I don't know what to do. It's going to be, you know, the optimism I had about the passing game is really just kind of spread more to the entire offense if he could stay healthy. Um, the defense, actually, um, if, if I'm going by opponents QB plus so far this season, they're actually number two in FBS behind only Tulane. Um, Tulane played some really, really stiff um, team. I can't remember who it is. Now, part of that is because USC had four interceptions, and that really, really skews the numbers. But even if we exclude the interceptions, they're still 40th, which is a huge step up. I think they're, they were like 90, 90th or something like that last year. So just uh, And again, it's Rice, and Rice actually was down to their backup quarterback, but you know, seasons pass, they would have found a way to make this guy a, a bit of a hero for a while. Um, something that USC has not seen for years is halftime adjustments. And what was interesting in the first half, the defense gave up 6.4 yards per play. After halftime, they gave only 2.2 yards per play. Um, probably a lot of it was just settling down. You're going to have a lot at first, you know, that initial first game excitement and just, you know, overplaying and stuff. But that's just, you know. An amazing just difference in the defense, just something that we haven't seen forever. Uh, the front four is still a concern, and actually one of their better defensive linemen, who looked like one of the steadiest, showed up to practice today uh, with his hand in a cast. So that's a concern going against Stanford. USC is, um, they opened at 12 at Stanford. Um, it's It went down to eight. I grabbed it at eight on my, you know, from my guy, I think it was this this afternoon. Um, I made it minus 13. And what's interesting is, you know, I kind of took that as the average of if I was USC, I would, you know, I wouldn't give more than eight or nine. And if I was Stanford, I'd need at least 17. So I just averaged those to 13. And when I see the number pop below that, and when USC is better than I expected in week one this early, I definitely had to grab that number. Yeah, I agree. I I got it at nine and a, I've I grabbed a sum at nine and a half. It's down to nine, but not a huge difference between nine and a half and nine. So, but yeah, I uh, I I really like uh, I like USC this weekend. Let's let's see how good this Trojan team actually is. And they're actually the uh, the primetime game on ABC, which oh, is nice. just yeah. It's I just you know the media, I guess television really realizes they need they need football to be a national game for their contracts to be worth something. So they're going to do everything they can to prop up USC. Mm-hmm. And at the very least, make them a story and get more interest in, in the Pacific time zone. Okay, uh, my futures bets. So catching up on what I am happy about and what I am less than happy about in terms of the future bets that I disclosed to everybody. San Diego State, under eight wins. Um, they not only lost by 18 points, they got almost doubled up on yardage, 461 to 232 by Arizona. Um, and Arizona's awesome new passing attack at Jaden Delora, my guy, Jacob Cowing. And um, I'm his first name starts with a T and his last name is McMillan. And he's from Servite High School out here in Orange County. Um, I don't know how you say his first name, but the guy's a freaking talent. He's like six foot four 
very fast, can catch the ball. Looked like he got hurt, but that is not a fun team to play Arizona. Um, I thought they'd be good. I didn't have the guts to take them over, but I think as I characterized it, I pushed people out of line to bet San Diego State under eight wins, and I am delighted to have done so. That yeah. is a lot of that is a lot of Brady Hoke and very little of of Rocky Long left in that program right now. Yeah, we're that's so I had them under. I think I had them under seven and a half. Which yeah, was that's what it was before I went to Vegas. Yeah, yeah. I but I got plus money on the, on the under seven and a half. So, but it's functionally the same thing, right? Under eight, under seven and a half is basically like I get, I can get. Well, no. Theoretically, I still have a couple more games to go, but you're already a quarter of the way there, and I think they have to play some half decent teams. So, yeah, Arizona yeah. again this week. That's another one. That line, the, the line with them and yeah. Mississippi State, that's moved a lot. Um, it's actually Arizona. You know, I saw this at like seven or so. It's up to eleven already. Wow. Like that, <laughs> and that's that's the that's the Pac-12 after dark. Well, Pac-ish yep. twelve after dark. Uh, it, yeah, well, that's going to kick at like ten o'clock p.m. Um, Starkville time. It's eleven. Yeah, it's eleven o'clock Eastern, ten o'clock Starkville time. Yeah, um, that's at seven. That's that's a late game for you. That's eight o'clock for you guys. Yeah, uh, so it that, is. That's that's your late game. But yeah, no, I'm excited for that game. That's going to be a fun game. Um, I'm going to watch that game. I'm going to have. I'm I'm just waiting to see how far this line does go. But I'm I'm going to wait and just when when it, when I finally see that line, I'm going to bet Arizona on that line. I think. Like Arizona, if if Arizona is actually good again, like yeah, Mississippi State beat up on Memphis, good for them. But like this, if this and again, we talked about it last just just with Kansas, right? If this Kansas team believes in itself, Arizona, no reason it can't be the same thing, right? So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the next one, Liberty, I had under seven and a half wins, and they they won. They went four overtimes at Southern Miss, and um. Southern Miss, as a team, had a QB plus of eight last season. Now, they didn't have anybody qualify because they had, like, five different guys behind center at different points. And they haven't solved anything. They actually had Frank Gore taking snaps out of the Wildcat in in overtime. So Liberty under seven and a half, I think, is still solid. The only problem I have is, you know, kind of my, my, my lucky charm in that whole thing, Charlie Brewer hurt himself. And so they might actually go to somebody who's not going to just like, you know, torpedo them for, for games and games. Yeah, um, this week sorry, they're ahead. playing, um, this week they're at UAB. And oh, I, boy. I, one of the first things I jumped on was UAB minus six and a half. I absolutely yeah. love that. Wow. Is yeah. it, is that, what is that now? I didn't even, it's still six and a half. Wow. Okay. Go, That's definitely go, a play. Go yeah. find that. Yeah. I, I jumped yep. on that immediately. Yeah. Uh, Northern Illinois under seven wins. Um, remember they were just like the luckiest team alive last season and they kind of stick to their script. I'm hoping it's going to turn soon. They were outgained by Eastern Illinois. They were plus two on turnovers and still they only won by seven. Um, it, the clocks are ticking on them. You know, their time's just about up. Um, Oregon under eight and a half wins. This is, this is not fun. Oh, this is a lot of fun if you're me. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're on opposite sides of this. So against Georgia, just some of the highlights. They didn't force a punt and there were till there were ten minutes left in the game. They didn't force any turnovers. Um they didn't think they I don't really think they forced a field goal attempt. I think it was just touchdowns every time Georgia got the ball until basically the fourth quarter. They only had two hundred and fifty eight yards of offense until the final drive of the game where basically both teams just, just seemed content to 
let Oregon go four yards a, a clip until the game basically was over. What's interesting, just to take a little detour here for a minute, if I go back to Jordan Travis, and I remember just thinking when they were playing LSU, uh, Florida State was playing LSU on Sunday, this guy looks a lot better. Are my eyes deceiving me? So I went back uh, in 2020, Jordan Travis had a QB plus of 96. Last year, at a QB plus of 105. Against LSU, he had a QB plus of 134. So why am I bringing that up? Because in the first two years, his offensive coordinator was Kelly Dillingham, who's now calling plays for the first time at Oregon. Now we get a guy who's been an offensive coordinator before in Alex Atkins. And in this very first game against a, a good defense, LSU has some issues, but I think there's talent on that defense. 134, way better than, than any of the past, past two seasons against one of the best defenses he's played in his career. That's actually a crazy stat. It's it's yeah. And it just kind of goes to the whole thing about, you know, I made a long case about their coaching staff and how I don't believe in them. Interesting that after Bo Nix really had a really Bo Nix game without the upside part of Bo Nix Sunday morning, what was what was trending on Twitter? Ty Thompson, the backup quarterback for Oregon. Um, this program has lost four of its five last games with an average margin of losing by 22 points per game. They are in a bad spot, and I'm having a hard time seeing that they're really going to reverse it anytime soon. I'm not saying they're going to finish last, but um, you know, I think it's time to kind of hit a reset on just where this team belongs in in the college football universe right now. I there's a couple of things on uh, there's a couple of points I'd love to make here. They're they're def they're not they're definitely in support of of points you've made. Uh, when when the first future when I was looking at the futures for the Pac-12. At one time, functionally, Utah, Oregon, and USC were all co functionally co favorites to win or to make the the, the Pac twelve championship game, or, or I think to win. I think if you go to uh, to win conference right now, which there's some interesting bets there too, to be honest. Um, for the Pac twelve, Oregon is now plus four fifty to win the Pac twelve. They're the third third largest favorite. Interestingly enough, to win the MAC, Central Michigan is plus four hundred still. Toledo's hmm. plus 300. So that's actually, Central Michigan's not a bad bet there. But yeah, yeah. Oregon has failed, uh, just faded a lot there. I was actually watching a bit of this game. There wasn't a ton of other games on at 3.30. It wasn't really until later on that there was a ton of games that I had stuff on. So I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll throw the Oregon game on. Um, there was one play. It was, I think, early in the, it was either late in the first or early in the second where Oregon had the ball and they were they were going down the field a little bit. And suddenly Bo Nix throws a deep pass. And I, when he second he did, I'm like, this is either a touchdown or or an interception. And I, based on the score, you now know what it was. It was an yes. intercept. It was literally, it was immediately an interception. And it was because it was the one where it was like deep to the deep to the far left side, and basically um, the guy like he just the the D back turned on it and caught it. Like I was bad, and I like, I knew I'm like this is an inter touchdown or interception, and it was very clearly like it was just very easy interception, and it's just like. Yeah, it's not good. It's really not good. And <laughs> I, yeah, maybe Bonix isn't the, I mean, we've always, we've never been particularly confident in Bonix. The thing is, Oregon will need time to regroup. They, they'll eventually become good. But yeah, I think this season might be, this season might be over before it began, kind of. I'm I'm really not loving, uh, I'm not loving where this is heading, the direction that Oregon's heading this year. Yeah, that eight and a half total, so they can only lose two more games. Now they miss USC. Um, but they do have Utah. So yeah, interesting. Um, 
counterintuitively, I still like my Penn State under six and a half conference wins. Um, and I think that we saw everything but the result that we expected in terms of the final score, but the whole process was there in terms of Sean Clifford just being just uh, just just amazingly bad and inaccurate, except for the times when Purdue just decided not to tackle um, inexplicably <laughs> and or just turn the ball over without really being forced to. Um, this is going to be, I think, a Pyrrhic victory in that they're probably going to be stuck with Clifford. They're going to not be stuck. They're going to play Clifford for a lot longer than they should. Um, if you saw Drew Aller get in there and throw some passes, it's like, wow, this is what a quarterback looks like. And just, I mean, night and day difference between what, what Clifford and what he brings to the table. So um, that's basically a bet against Sean Clifford, which I am very comfortable with. Um, the ones I'm less confident. I'm oh, sorry. Did you have any thoughts on our friend uh, Sean Clifford? Yeah, no. Yeah. Obviously not particularly a big fan of him. Again, it was, it was so funny. Uh, you talk about it and they had um, the, at the end of the game, they had a graphic and they put it up and it was, uh, I, I can't really just find it here. Uh, it was, it was about Sean Clifford and, and, and the last drive he went on. And they said, yeah, above and beyond. Cause he was six for seven yes. on the last drive <laughs> for 72 passing yards and one TD. And then it also said he, he'd accounted for five total touchdowns tonight. And, and it said, this was his third game winning drive. And I'm just like, this is like the most like gerrymandered stats. You can like, okay. Yeah. He had to have a game winning drive. Why did he have to go on a game winning drive again? Like, yeah. this is the thing. Right. And it's like, you can't like people in, 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 in sports, specifically in football, they love this. They love the stats like this, like these gerrymandered stats, basically. Like I remember one time it was years ago when, when Matt Stafford was still on the lions and they were like, Oh, uh, when, when Matt Stafford wasn't playing for when Matt Stafford was injured, I think it was the year after he was injured when he was in, when he was injured, uh, the Lions were like 0-8 in games. And it's like, oh, well, what was his record when he was playing, when he when he wasn't injured? It was like, oh, they were like 8-8. Eight and eight. It's just like, well, you can't, like, they weren't even good. They're like 50-50. You're telling me they're like half and half, and then when he's not playing, they're atrocious? Like, yeah. this, this, you can't do this stuff. Like, it's so, like some these football some of these like some, obviously there's a lot of in, in the football area and football analytics there's a lot of really smart guys like you and I and we can name a, a dozen or so others that understand the stats and and how all these fit together and work but then you get stuff like above and beyond six for seven on the final on the, a game winning drive that shouldn't have ha- needed to happen if they had actually been okay the entire time like it, it it's just it's so bad and it's yeah let's see like. I, yeah, I would not be surprised if we see a different quarterback playing at some point in time later in the season, or maybe not. Maybe they'll, like, I mean, they're playing Ohio State, but again, watch, like, I called out, I think, looking at the at the rankings, Penn State was al- almost had numbers this week. It was close. They almost did. They weren't given them yet, but they were, they were very close to getting, to getting ranked this week. Um, but if they win next week, I think they, they play, um, oh, sorry, they play Miami of Ohio, I believe. Um, or no, they no, they play Ohio, not Miami, not Miami of Ohio. They play the Ohio yeah. Bobcats. If they win that game and a couple other teams lose, watch Penn State will be ranked for the Ohio State game, in which they'll lose by like forty yeah. or something. So watch out for that. Well, in fairness, and I, I posted this on Twitter. Right now, I don't know if I'd have them top twenty-five. Um, if they had Drew Alar, I would probably put him in that you know around twenty, just because you know. 
there's actually a, a good amount of talent on that roster. Um, the other thing is, I think that five touchdowns graphic is wrong. I, I counted six. If you got to include that pick six in there, right? He's responsible for that too. That's right. Yes, the pick six. <laughs> I mean that that was kind of part of the game plan that you and I had had drawn up going into that game. Yeah, pick six should count as as both an interception and a touchdown pass. <laughs> yes. Um. All right. So a couple of future bets that I'm not so happy about Purdue over seven wins. Can they do it? Yeah. I'm just really not thrilled that they still have the red zone problems that they had last year. Uh, they move the ball. Great. They need to figure out how to run the ball, especially they have, what was that? That running back's name. His name was like King or something like that. Um, just a great name for it. Yeah. King Doru. Um, don't know how you don't run that guy more. And then a couple of the uh, conference champion, uh, actually both of the ones I had in the ACC, they're going in the in the trash bin. Louisville, they made Greg Garrett Schrader look like Dan Marino in his prime. I mean, it just and Garrett Schrader's terrible. And North Carolina, North Carolina gives up six touchdowns in twelve minutes to App State. Um, yeah, big no to both. <laughs> uh, Louisville is really concerning. Like. They are they are getting six and a half on Friday night against uh U, U against Central Florida. Yeah, that's a little tempting. I don't know. I mean, they were really bad. The question is, why were they really bad? The thing is, like again, when you see something like that, like if it maybe Syracuse isn't bad this year. Apparently, some people really like the Syracuse running back. So, but again, like Malik Cunningham was really bad. I bet him to win the Heisman, and so I'm not really happy about that one. But again, like Louisville could maybe come back up and, and do some stuff. We'll have to see. Like they could. I don't know. That six and a half is tempting. If that was a seven, I'd take it. Six and a half is a little iffy, but I might take. I'd probably take a seven though. We'll have to see. Um, but yeah, that was um, that was really, really not a good showing there against thing. North Carolina though was interesting though, and and that was there was and they. they I'm so mad at them too because they did the stupidest play ever because. <laughs> When when basically App State went for two, which was correct, that was the correct play to do. Mm-hmm. Then they don't get the two point conversion, so they go for the onside kick, which they have to do because I think there was like a minute left or so. And then North Carolina gets the ball on the on the on the onside kick, and then they run it for a touchdown, which is the one thing. There was yeah. one thing you don't do; it's that because yeah. then they immediately give the ball back to App State, and App State's only down eight, which is a touchdown and a two point. Like that was so insane. I was screaming at my screen, like, "Why would you do that?" That was like, you like, how does the coach not tell? Has how is the coach not told them, or how do these people lack game awareness that much that they don't realize that if they take a knee there, the game's over. It's done. You go, yeah. you go to your, it's done. You go, you go to the, to the, to the locker room. Then they had to play another whole, like a long period of game because an app state got another touchdown. And then like, that was really bad. I cannot believe that that guy didn't just take a knee there. Like th- that game was over. It was done. If he, took, if he, if he went down with that ball, the game was done. Yeah. I just, well, not just that. It's like, you've given up five touchdowns, like in, in, in 11 minutes here, you got to know that if you're giving him the ball back, you can't like your chances of keeping him out of the end zone. Yeah, like you were leading by a point. You're like, oh, we got up by eight. There's no way they could. Like, if I score, we'll be lead by eight. They can't. There's no way they can get eight. Oh, wait, they could do a two point. Oh, well, nah, they're probably going to do that. Like, yeah. no, of course they can. Like, your defense can't stop anything. Like, that game was so. Like, I 
that game was one of the only games on at the noon window. And, like, literally, I saw App State run the same play, which was, like, sweep zone. Like, they just swept the ball out to the left side and just ran it. I could give you, like, if I had the if I had the footage of the entire game, I could cut at least eight plays, eight of them doing eight times they did that for at least 20 yards. Like, it was absolutely ridiculous. Like, there's at least eight times they just ran the ball to the left side of the field, and they got, like, 20 yards out of it. It was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Like, this North Carolina team is, re- like, they're going to really miss Sam Howell. And then, like, you see some of the North Carolina touchdowns. It's like, oh, here's a guy wide open but no one's covering for 20 yards. He just runs it into the end zone. <laughs> like, it was... Uh, like, I, I really worry about North Carolina this season. I'm not sure when we get a game that we can bet. I don't I think they're playing this week or they're playing a D2 team or... I don't know, at Georgia yeah. State. This was that stupid back-to-back scheduling that he did at App State and at Georgia State back-to-back. Uh, is that... But th- we, don't, we don't really trust Georgia State, do we? Uh, I don't know. I just... I, I don't trust either of these... You know, it's only nine and a half points. I mean, Georgia State's not yes, nearly yes. as good as App State. Yeah. Actually, no, it's seven and a half. It opened at nine and a half. Uh, see, that that's where you can, like, maybe bet North Carolina. But, okay, they're going to have to play other teams that are good teams. Like, they don't just get to keep playing Sunbelt teams. Like, at some point, they're going to play a team with an actual defense, and then they're done. So. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Okay, Uh, back to the dashboard. The next window I've just called hot seat instead of the coach, the head coach hot seat. Uh, and you'll see why in a second. Uh, first of all, of course, is our, our buddy, Scott Frost. Um, you know, as you noted, he did himself no favors being tied with South Dakota. I think it was yes. um, at halftime. And, you know, it's all fun and games here, but Nebraska plays Georgia Southern this week. And that was one of my favorite bets was Georgia Southern other under four. So, if he loses that one, this is becoming a lot less comedic as it relates to Scott Frost. The, the smiles are going to stop real quick, and I'm going to be actually outraged that they haven't fired this idiot yet. Um, well, they'll probably yes. what because this is I think they play a bunch of bad teams for like the first four weeks, and then they play someone good. I think Oklahoma. That's right. I think Oklahoma's coming up in a couple weeks. Yeah. Like yeah. this could get re like that could get really out of hand. Like this is yeah. not going to be like a, oh Nebraska always always loses this game by a score. They're going to lose by like forty. So like watch out for that. Like when that spread <laughs> yeah. goes live, just immediately bet that spread. Yep, yep. Uh, number two, he was kind of quiet and just um, overwhelmed by all the noise against Scott, around Scott Frost, and he really got his publicity last night. Jeff Collins, wow, what a horrible, horrible effort last night. It's just. I, I don't want to say he didn't want to win. I just don't know if he knows what he's doing half the time out there. Just some of the stuff that 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 they were doing was just baffling. Georgia Tech, that is. Just, I don't know. Any thoughts on, on Georgia Tech or what we saw on the Georgia Tech side last night? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it doesn't seem to be working. The thing of it was, at times they had, like, they were able to effectively run plays. Like, they were able to get, they were able to do stuff, but then, then you just have these bad plays in which just everything gets erased. Like you'll have like, you'll run for six yards on, on first down and then like second down, whatever. And then third down, you'll get like a, a second down and there'll be a sack for 10 yards. And then you're like, Oh cool. It's like third and 22 now. And you're like, but we just got, we did good on the first play. Why are we, why are, why is it third and 22 now? And they did not do themselves any favors. And yeah, I, the talent isn't there. And again, if Clemson isn't good, like the thing is, again, yeah, you lost to Clemson and people are going to be like, oh, it's Clemson, whatever. But I'm not particularly high in Clemson after last night. But again, now we're looking down the road, like 
What happens when they play Syracuse or apparently Louisville? Like, what happens when they play the worst in the ACC and they lose by thirty points? Are they going to be as happy? Like, that's when that's when the real outrage is going to come. Yeah, I yeah, I just yeah, I think the outrage has already peaked. I think now they're just in like, just please, just you know, end this. I I can't imagine. Had had that been somewhat different, what would the score have been? Because they've won that game last night. No. That's the same result, even if they're playing, you know, literally Clemson or Georgia State. No, no, I'm saying if, if it's a different head coach, could they, could they have? Oh, sorry. If it's a different head coach at Georgia State or at Georgia Tech, could they have? Could they like? They definitely could have kept it within a score. Yeah, I spe- yeah, with with just how bad Clemson was. Yeah, I mean they like, they kept it close for a while for... until they really just they were horrible you know, all for the... three quarters. It was like three full quarters. Like yeah, it was really bad. Yeah. This, you know, and just speaking of that, just the fact that Clemson gets such a just a, a, a freebie from the ACC office. It's like, yeah, one of your one of your um, pod opponents is going to be Georgia Tech. They stink. They're probably always going to stink. And you're going to get to go to Atlanta, like the best place to recruit in that whole conference footprint, you know, every other year. It's just what a gift to, to, to Clemson that that that's one of their, you know, their pod of partners. Just ugh. Okay, and the last name in the hot seat panel is Ivan Jasper. Who is Ivan Jasper, and why am I bringing him up? Ivan Jasper is the quarterback coach for Navy. Navy scored seven points and had 300 yards, 319 yards, hosting Delaware. Um, This is fascinating because Navy was horrible on offense. They were actually pretty good on defense. They lost only 14-7. to Um. It was about a year ago when Navy actually fired then offensive coordinator Ivan Jasper. Um, I don't know if you remember this story. <laughs> and the following day, I guess Ken Nui Matalolo threatened to quit. And so they brought back Mr. Jasper as quarterback coach. And I don't really hope for him to lose his job, but it would be amazing to see the same program fire the same guy twice within two seasons. That would be pretty funny. Um... <laughs> Why does Navy have a quarterback coach? Like, I mean, I guess you have to, but like, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like having a tight end coach. It's like you do some stuff. It's just not, you know, what the other guys do. Yeah, I, I mean, it's Delaware. Like, this is not, like, like they lost to Delaware. It's really bad. Like, I can't. Like, there's a reason why Navy didn't make a bowl last year, and this is why. What's Navy? Does Navy doesn't isn't there a spread on a Navy game this week? Yeah, they're only plus six. They're plus six at Memphis. Oh boy, that seems like that's a soft line. Well, but yeah, their defense that... could be good though. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, but man, giving up, you know, only getting seven against Delaware. The the other thing too is I didn't I didn't see the game. Supposedly, you know, or not supposedly, they've changed the rule about cut blocks, and I don't know if maybe they've kind of just not reacted to that well and kind of just not coached properly. Um. Don't know, but just, yeah. Yeah. Not promising for them. All right, so the next window in the dashboard, I just call Narduzzi because it's kind of a staging area for um, the hot seat panel. And it's also just where we can comment on just really, really horrible stuff that we see. Um, did you see Friday night, the, the, the Colorado hosting TCU game? Yeah, I saw I saw bits I saw a lot of, a large large part of the end of that game, yeah. It was just a masterclass in how to just 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 get everybody upset. It was so horrible. 
So Carl Durrell, I had high hopes for you and no more, man. Um, they started Brendan Lewis, who was shaky last year. Um, they just had the same kind of play calling with him that we saw with Clemson with DJU, just super timid, didn't trust him to do anything. Um, he was ineffective, although somehow Colorado, you know, got to score a field goal on the on the first possession. Um, they switched to JT Shrouts, who basically moves the ball, and they they call plays um, like regular plays, and Shrout does his stuff. And then inexplicably, they put Lewis back in, even though he hadn't done anything. And just the crowd totally turned on everybody. They're, you just, it was embarrassing just how heartily they were booing. I don't know who, if they're booing, you know, Lewis or the coaches or whatever. And then, of course, they go three and out and, and just becomes just outright hostile at that point. Um, then the next, the next position, six plays drive, it's a six play drive, and they punt again. And it just got just horrible. Then they put Shroud back in, you know, and they're better. Um, still, they, they clearly lost. It just, there's, it was just, there's no better way just to just antagonize the fans. I mean, I, Andy Avalos, we'll talk about him coming up shortly. You know, he did the right thing when his starting started and have it. He took him out and that was that. And maybe it's easier because he's on the road. Just for some comparison about the difference in the quarterback play, QB plus for the game, J- JT Shroud was 100, Lewis was a 35. I just don't get putting Lewis back in and just, you know, it, th- that guy's confidence is probably shot for the rest of the season, if not his college career. It was just just horrible, horrible coaching. Just, you know, I've often said that just being out being out coached, just a lot of it's just doing stupid things, and this was just a great example of that. Next, um, in the Narduzzi panel, Andy Avalos, my guy. You are a great defensive coordinator. You are a really handsome guy. You will probably never hurt for ever having a job, but you are seven and six at a program that does not go seven and six. You've given up 61 points in your last two games. Um, you got just dump trucked by Oregon state and it wasn't even as close as the 17 points might may make it out to be. Um, not working out, man. And this is why established programs have to hire established coaches. What are they waiting for now? What's what's the move of your Boise State? Do you fire a guy into a second season and just make it look like you are not a place where you where an established coach will go? Do you give him time when you kind of know it's not going to work out? This is where USC found itself with Clay Helton. Well, and this is the thing, right? Because now when you're looking at it, recruiting is, it's so important there right at the end of the season and the transfer portal, right? Do you, like, the longer you wait for this guy, the less lead time you're going to have when you get the new guy in there to be able to, like, start getting used to it, right? Like, you don't, like, if you if you fire this guy at the end of the season, then your new guy is not going to have any time to recruit and you're basically just tanking the entire next season. So, like, if you get to, like, if you fire him now, maybe the new guy can have some, can be, like, in some position to succeed when he gets in there and say like November or something. Right. So like, yeah, it's, it's not particularly good. I, but the thing is like, if they, like, I think they might, they'll probably beat New Mexico this week, but then like, well, one, what if they don't, but then also like, they're not, they're not like, they have to play a lot about West teams. Like, yeah. I don't like, I think they could be in really big trouble in, in a lot of these games coming up very soon. And more of the gimmies in the West or in the Mountain West or in the Western Division than the Mountain Division. Mountain's pretty tough. 
Um, yeah, that's going to be interesting to watch. That could, it's not great, but that could really just go to a bad spot pretty quickly, just program wise, and just you know, to that spot where you have like angry home home teams, as we saw in Colorado. Um, <laughs> just have to mention next point here into the the Narduzzi panel, and we'll get to this game later. But twenty one punts in South Dakota, South Dakota at or South Dakota State at Iowa. That's just mastery, you know. I think one of the secrets to Kirk Ferentz having a sneaky great one-loss record is, like we just saw, his teams are in mid-season form in week one. That was just classic Iowa. They're not going to be any better than what we just saw, and it's only week one. <laughs> um, and finally, an update on our guy Diego Pavia, the quarterback for New Mexico State. He actually went two for five for 10 yards at Minnesota, a QB plus of negative 26 for the game, which was – somehow much better than what we saw against Nevada. Classic. Um, <laughs> I, so what I'll actually do is I actually would love to institute an actually like a negative, uh, a negative Narduzzi panel. Um, so there's something I want to call out kind of, I think we're gonna talk a bit about that later, um, but I really want to tip my hat to the Florida's new head coach, Billy Napier. Um, they actually, like I, I watched a lot of that game. He had, they had some really, really good play calling. One I, I particularly want to highlight is late in the game, um, Florida was Utah was up twenty six to twenty two. Florida was marching down the field um, with a with basically a minute and fifty four left on third at four on the Utah twenty eight. Now remember they need to get a touchdown. A field goal won't they'll still be down if they get a field goal. So they need a touchdown. Third and four, they have Anthony Richardson run. Now, this is something that a lot of the analytics people love. A lot of the analytics people love third down running because basically when you when you run on third down, you basically decided you're going for it on fourth down. Yep. And this is something that you would not have seen on Dan with, with Dan Mullen. You would have not have seen this, and it was hilarious because I was watching the uh, I was watching the Notre Dame Ohio State game at the same time, and Dan Mullen was on the panel for that game because I was covered by ESPN, and I was just showing the TV like, oh, would you have done that, Dan Mullen? Like this is the thing because it's like it's. Like it's it's beautiful. It we the Florida now has a really good analytics minded head coach because they did third and four the, thir- the the third down run, and then again then you then you you hand it off to Anthony Richardson on fourth on fourth and two he gets nine yards. A couple plays later they get a, they get the they run he runs it in for the touchdown later with a minute and a half left. Then of course they get the game sealing interception to win the game. But that's smart. That's like again like in, in college football you, you you it's hit and miss with a lot of the coaching and, and how analytically minded they are but like and we've billion apiers from what i've heard they he's focused a lot on the recruiting trail but you have now a, a sound analytical head coach at florida one of the i mean it is one of the best programs in the sec probably right up there with bama and georgia like that's like watch out for this team in the future. I think Anthony Richardson needs a little bit more. Like that was a great running performance. Love to see him pass the ball a little bit better. But like again, but this is Billy Napier's first year. Like watch out longer term. This this Florida team could be very good in, in the in the near to, in the near future. So watch out for that. I am a big believer in Billy Napier. Like I said, I almost wore my Louisiana um, Cajuns T-shirt that I bought in 2019 because I had that season win total um over which hit very early in that season and um big believer in him don't disagree with any anything you said but just go to the other side of the coin the whole soft skills thing you'll appreciate this since you're a florida guy and i'm sure you remember will muschamp just yells at anybody and everybody that he can yell at 
and just Napier is just so composed the whole time. It's just like he's waiting to be, you know, he's waiting at a bakery just to have his number called. He just he doesn't he doesn't get ruffled. He they got the right guy. Um, I also love since we're, we brought this up, this kind of jars jars uh, loose a, a memory of the off season. So I was listening to an SEC podcast, and one of the guys said Billy Napier would be an absolute desire um, hire for Florida. I thought, well, I don't know if I'd agree. With, and this is before they had hired him, but you know when they're kicking around names, I thought I don't, I don't agree with that. And the same guy then picked him to go ten and two this year. So it just means more, I guess, right? That's what they say, and it just means more opinions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, it, yeah, that's the thing. I, I'm, 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 I'm really happy with that. And yeah, when I saw that third and four run. Because again, you're you're at the 28. You're down a lot. Most coaches would probably throw the ball there. When I saw that run, I was like, "Oh yes!" Like that was a moment for me. I'm like, "This is really good. I'm really happy with this." So yeah, I like I'm looking forward to seeing this Florida team. And they like mark your calendars there. The largest outdoor largest outdoor cocktail party coming up in a couple of weeks there, Florida Georgia. That could be pre- that could be a very interesting game. I I'm definitely like I think we might be seeing a couple of Florida primetime games this year. So we're, yeah, watch watch out for that. Yep. Now that was a fun game to watch. Um. Okay. Last window on the <clears throat> executive dashboard. Are I've just got my rankings for the G the the G five uh, New Year's bull bid uh, berth. And this is not a G five a ranking of G five teams. This is who I think has the best path to get that. Um, that bowl bid. I've had Cincinnati first, um, Air Force second, and Fresno State third, both in the Mountain West, and then UAB fourth. Um, you know, I've made cases for for the first three. We didn't really talk about UAB in the preseason. I referred to them when I when I talked about the UTEP case, and I said, look, UAB clearly has the biggest, you know, the best returning talent. It was just, you know, my proclivity for UTEP was more about UAB losing the great Bill Clark. Um, UAB started strong. U- conference USA is a weaker of the G5 conferences, but on November 19th, they play AL at LSU. And that could be just the one ticket puncher that really gets them. If they go into feed and they have that winning at LSU that late in the season, that could get them to that, um, you know, the New Year's bowl bid. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm excited. You mentioned uh, Fresno State. The other, the other Pac-12-ish after dark game is uh, well. Actually, there's a couple of them, but uh, the other one is Oregon State at Fresno State, or actually, no, maybe it's the other way. I can't remember, but it's it's Oregon State Fresno State. Basically, that game is even. It's Oregon State minus one. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that game. I like Oregon State was good against Boise, but if we think Boise's kind of bad, like. Fresno State was pretty good last year. I don't. I don't know. What do you think about that game? Yeah, this is weird. Um, I don't know if there's a little bit where Fresno might be caught looking ahead to USC. Mm. They play. I don't know. I don't know. You know, G fives aren't going to overlook any Power Five schools usually, but they're. You know, how often do they have them scheduled back to back like that? Um, Against a you know a winnable team, does Fresno State think they're better than Oregon State? Do they think that they can take it for granted? I don't know. Tedford's a really good coach. I don't know if he'll let that happen. Um, I think that Fresno has the better quarterback. They probably have a better defense. 
as a unit, even though there's probably better individual talent, probably in some spots in Oregon State who just hasn't put it together yet as a as a group. You know, Tedford's a more accomplished coach. Um, he's proven more. That's I couldn't play that. That's a sneaky, really, really good game to watch. Is that a is that an after dark game? You said yeah, cool. uh, eleven uh, ten thirty. 10:30 Eastern, 7:30 for you guys. So, oh, so that goes basically up against the um, the Arizona hosting Mississippi State game. Yeah, there's a lot of really good late games. There's, uh, well, UTEP is 14 point favorite against New Mexico State. We can finally get that first win for them. Uh, Then we got Baylor. We got Baylor, BYU, Oregon State, Fresno State, and the Mississippi State, Arizona. Three amazing games in that late window. I think you're because there was when 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 there was talks about the new media deals. I think they're starting to schedule a lot better games in that late window because I think they're realizing that there are degenerate gamblers that uh, like w- don't mind staying up past midnight on a on a Saturday to watch yeah. random games, and I think they're trying to exploit that. Um, it's also funny that at eight o'clock Hawaii plays Michigan, and Hawaii is fifty-one point underdogs. Oof. Yeah, I, I've act- I've actually read that you know the next Pac-12 television deal is going to mean even more of those late starts for them that's basically the only way they're going to get you know anywhere near the 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 peak value of their you know potential contract value which is great i love i'd love a fourth window in college football to open up for for the time slots it's it's nice to have that especially if you do that like the friday one has sneakily been actually like there was never really a late friday game but now we're getting boise um new mexico which is not particularly good but if you can start, if you can squeeze in a couple of late Friday games and then also late Saturday games, that'd be really nice to have. Yeah, I would push back a little bit on that. I think like because of what I've put the picture, the picture I've painted of Boise, you're kind of getting where every game's like almost an anxiety game. And, you know, it's like. It'll be interesting as long as the game's not out of hand <laughs> for Boise at New Mexico State or at New Mexico. Okay, so that's the dashboard. So after the dashboard, we're going to go into a deeper dive here. And um, the topic this week for the deeper dive is looking for the fraudulent early season blowout. Uh, My background in this is I remember way back when I just started to, I noticed with one, one team in particular, just an example of, you know, they were blowing out teams, but it didn't really look like it. And um, I've kind of learned from it. So, the earliest that I can remember this being a, a, a case is 20 years ago, the 2002 Washington team. They were preseason number 11. <clears throat> um, they lost their first game of the season by two at Michigan, uh, who was highly ranked. They lost it on like they had a crazy 12 men on the field penalty, like when Michigan was going for a Hail Mary, then Michigan got a field goal instead. And crazy, crazy finish. Um, Washington should have won that game. So they stayed number 11 after that game. Then they had three walkovers all at home. They beat San Jose State 34 to 10. They beat Wyoming by 31. They beat Idaho by 14. But they barely ran the ball in these games. They ran for 4.1 in attempt against San Jose State, 3.1 versus Wyoming, and under three in attempt versus Idaho. Idaho was uh, still FBS um, back in these days. So they had very impressive, you know, scores, but they were not dominating much lesser teams. And meanwhile, um, you know, South in the conference, Jeff Tedford was turning around a really bad Cal program in this first year. So 
in their first real tough game since the Michigan game, you know, they actually lost to Cal, who was still unranked at that point, uh, 34 to 27. And they only had 42 yards and one and a half, a per, uh, one and a half yards per attempt in that game, uh, which really didn't surprise me. I remember I, I had Cal in that game just thinking, yeah, this Washington team is very, very vulnerable. Um, something that's a little more in the modern era. Um, people might remember this 2012 USC was coming off a very good 2011 season. Um, they finished in the top five. And so they're preseason number one, uh, their first game of that season, they won 49 to 10 against Hawaii, but they only ran for 81 yards, three and a half per an attempt. And it was, it again, great score, but just very physically unimpressive. And that just showed that they had a bunch of problems, uh, being physical. And so they lost, they actually went six and seven that year. They lost at Stanford, at Arizona, home against Oregon, home against Notre Dame, and then against Georgia Tech in a bowl. That wasn't all their losses, but in those losses, they were unable to run. They got less than four yards per an attempt. Um, so again, there's, you know, instances of early signs where a team is is winning big on the scoreboard, but not overwhelming someone. You and I were messaging last night about the Clemson game saying, this is so unimpressive that they can't even qualify. Uh, at the end, the score kind of got out of hand, and I think this is that's a great example too. I think Clemson ran for like less than three yards per per attempt last night, um, but they won call, by thirty one points. Let me just call that up now. No, uh, yeah, the thing of it was because I had it, the spread the the spread, last spread in that game was twenty four and a half, and until they decided to uh, randomly get a touchdown at the end of the game, they were not covering that for the entirety of the game. Uh, yeah, they ran for one hundred nineteen yards against Georgia Tech. Yeah, and on they 40 passed rushes. for for 259 yards. 211 of those, 210 of those were for DJ. He had one passing touchdown, and Cade Klubnik, who came in at the end, he was four for six for 49 yards, 8.2 per thing, and he he had he had the same amount of passing touchdowns as DJ, who had been in there for the entire game. So yeah, kind of nuts that that was. Uh, but yeah, only three yards in attempt for for Clemson against a Georgia Tech team that they should have. And again, like they actually had some decent rushing plays too, but they just couldn't. Uh, they couldn't put it away. Yeah. So, and you mentioned that they have an easy schedule coming up, but let's definitely keep an eye out for when they're going to play, you know, any team that has something resembling a defense and they could be in a bad spot really quick. Wake Forest, I was like, just, I click on that back panel there. Wake Forest, nine twenty fourth, so October 24th here on ESPN. Uh, NC State on October 1st. Yep. So and even, NC State. you know what? And this is surprising because they actually were pretty bad last week. At Boston College, you know, I think Boston College is gonna gonna be kind of forgotten here, but they still have Jeff Halfley as head coach, and he's a good defensive coordinator or defensive whatever defensive mind. That could be a lot more than they're bargaining for, and it's at Boston College. Um, so, anyways, so we brought up Clemson, another one that I saw this week that really just stood stood out in the same way. Um, Texas A and M beat San Houston State thirty-one to nothing. Um, they only ran for twenty. <laughs> They ran 25 times and only two and a, you know, 2.6 per attempt. Um, what else is, is even more crazy is they had three touchdowns, three touchdown passes of 66 yards, 63 yards, and 43 yards, which is great. But, you know, not unlike what we saw at sometimes towards the end of last night in that Clemson game. It's just a matter of just out-athleting and not really out-footballing anybody. So if you take out those three touchdown passes on all the other Texas A&M um, pass attempts, 
<laughs> they they attempted 28 passes for only 192 yards, and they had two interceptions, a QB plus of 45, which would have put you last among all qualifiers last year. And this is against Sam Houston State. Now, Sam Houston State is going to get an invite to Conference USA uh, within a year or two, but this is a problem. And this isn't, to me, this isn't out of nowhere. Um, when we talked about AM in the preseason, I made the point that they lost a really, really good offensive line coach, Josh Henson, to USC. And they replaced him with Steve Adazio, who worked some real magic up in Colorado State. Uh, not sure what he did or didn't do against Sam Houston State, but um, you know they returned a lot of talent. They returned a good running back. That is a problem. The other problem, too, is... That's not a quarterback-friendly system that Jimbo runs. And they named Haynes King's starter, which I think probably makes sense. But we need to remember, he missed almost all of last season, too. So it's even though it's his third year in the program, it's really his second year kind of taking snaps in this crazy system. So I think they've got some problems. Yeah. So just a couple points on that, too. So one, getting back to those three touchdown passes of 66, 63, and 43 yards— when you're playing a D2 team, that's like, oh, the the cornerback fell down. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, they jumped up for the ball, the guy fell, and then you just, you caught yeah. the ball, the guy was on the ground, you just run it in, right? That's yeah. like a, a DB fell down or a blown coverage somewhere, some guy was just wide open and running an open field. That happens. And again, we saw that last week with App State versus North Carolina. It can happen, but... If that's if, if a lot of your offense is generated by that, if you if that happens three times in a game and that's one of the reasons why that scoreline looks so impressive, that's concerning. That is a very concerning thing. And okay, yes, they actually and I'm gonna bring this up now, they're playing App State this week. So maybe they can have some more blown coverages, but you're in the SEC. Do you think that's gonna happen against Alabama? Do you think Alabama's gonna let you get a six like three touchdown passes over 40 yards. Do you think Alabama's going to let you do that? Do you think uh, Arkansas is going to let you do that? Like, no, that's not going to happen, right? And, yeah. like, you're not going to be able to beat a, an overmatched cornerback uh, or safety or something with against, like, those th- from an SEC defense. So, no, that's not happening. And this is the thing. So, their defense, you mentioned on offense, their rushing was, was bad, and that's, that's definitely true. On defense, they let four yards a rush against Sam Houston, which is, again, a D2 team. You're allowing four yards a rush. App State was 43 for 288 yards, 6.7 yards a rush against North Carolina. So if you're up, if, if your defense is allowing a D2 team four yards a rush, and you're having an App State team which actually is really good at rushing, and it like what is that? Where's that line go? Where's that tomorrow? Like I mean, not tomorrow. What, where, what happens on Saturday when you're yeah. playing an actually D1 team with D1 like linemen and running backs? Like that's dangerous that's a problem and and one of my first bets that i made this weekend i saw app state plus 17 and a half took that and the money and the money line um it's actually up to 18 and a half might might dip back into that again if that keeps going up higher we get to like like 20 or something um because there's a lot of after 18 and a half there's a bunch of dead points there but like yeah no like i love apps like i don't think texas a&m is going to be able to cover that 18 and a half especially not if app state can just run all over them i i agree and you know this might be one to tag for that uh BBMI, the brand-based market inertia, where, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I, where did they land in the AP poll? Like, in, they're like 6th or 7th right now? Yeah, they're like 6th, I think. They're they're in the top 10. Like they I don't didn't... know. How... Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, they're, they're six, in, 6 in AP, 6 in college. They No no change. Actually, they gained that. one spot in college. They gained one spot in the coaches poll. 
Okay, well, that's probably because Oregon or no, who Utah lost. Um, no, Notre Dame actually, Notre Dame actually lost. Oh, they, sorry, they yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't a, know how. Go ahead. Yeah, it's just it's an it's an interesting point. I saw we make it on Twitter, but it's it's insane that Notre Dame, which was I think the number well by a coach's poll, they were the fifth ranked team. They were 16, 16 and a half, 17 point dogs against Ohio State. They cover that score. They cover that, and yet they fall. F- like, what more do you want from them? Like, at what point you're like, this is where they're supposed to be ranked. Like, like, do they, if they, like, it's stupid that, like, what's the point in these rankings if, like, if they, if people, if a team loses a game, you just drop them points. Like, clearly, like, okay, fine. Like, they, they covered the spread, though. They beat expectations. Like, theoretically, they should actually move up. Theoretically, they probably wouldn't because obviously the next one is Georgia. But, like, you shouldn't just drop them four slots just because they covered the spread against the number two team. Like, that's just a stupid people who make rankings are dumb thing, but yeah. Well, and yeah, to that point, based on what you saw on Saturday, you know, do you think, are you convinced that Texas A&M is better than Notre Dame? No. Not even close. I, I don't think it's really close between these two. More to the point, um, at the end of last season, who's better between these two? It was Notre Dame. Texas A&M lost four games last season. Yeah. I mean, okay, yeah, they upgraded a quarterback, but that's only going to go so far. And like I said, you know, um, that's not a plug and play system. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the early season polls are so frustrating. So what, one more I'd like to add to, to kind of fraudulent uh, <laughs> blowouts was Wisconsin. So they also played a D2 team and they also won in a shutout. Um, but Wisconsin. So, yeah, well, Texas A&M had three. Touchdown passes of over 40 yards. Wisconsin had a 100-yard interception return. So it was third and nine for Illinois State from the Wisconsin nine. Uh, And then basically at that point, they had gone on a 71-yard drive. This was actually the third drive of the game, Illinois State's second drive. So this is against Wisconsin's defensive starters. Illinois State goes on a 71-yard drive against you. And then you get a 100-yard interception return, which again, this is exactly what we said before. This is now okay, cool. We got a the guy got the pick. He ran it out, and then people the, obviously the offense wasn't in position, and like someone maybe the quarterback or like again they're trying to cover a interception return. They blow the coverage. Cool, you're gone gone for 100 yards, right? But like that's insane that that was that like if not that would have been a, a score basically. So. That's crazy that that was part baked into that score as well. And nine, then they had a 96-yard touchdown run, which again, great. I actually saw a clip of that ESPN decided I well, not ESPN. Well, ESPN for you guys, TSN for us. But then we get the ESPN feed. They showed a highlight clip of it. Yeah, he got up like ten. He got like ten yards into it. Then like the he blew past the safety had a blown tackle or something. He runs it for six yard. Yeah, sounds like a great play. But this is against the D2 team. Yeah. Like this just pads that score line. And again, they had another. They had a 74-yard pass in that game to the Illinois State 19. Now they they punched it in a couple plays later. But again, these are massive chunk plays. Now again, you could do that against the D2 team, but it just it it pads that stat line. And if you're relying against that, that could be a problem. Now this week they actually play Washington State. Now Washington State actually did struggle to put away Idaho last week. Um, actually struggled a lot, especially in the early game, but then they came on in the late game. But 17.5 points versus Wisconsin, and I believe they are Washington. They're in Wisconsin, I believe. Yeah, it's at Wisconsin. It's yeah. at Wisconsin. But, like, I can't – I think it's actually down to 17 now. Um, but, yeah, I actually uh, – give me Washington State. I actually – I like I liked this team last year. I get the ability to fade 
I get the ability to fade Wisconsin. I get the ability to fade Grant Mertz. I'll take that any day. With a D1 team, I'll take that. You took a long time to get to the Graham Mertz part of this whole equation, too. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, he's not, <laughs> he's still not particularly good. I had originally thought, it like, I mean, we'll have to see. I thought he might eventually play himself into getting drafted in the NFL somehow. There's still possible, that could still happen, but we'll have to see. But I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't love this. Uh, I, I don't like this Wisconsin team. Give me 17 and a half points all day. You know, this is interesting, too. If you take out the, and again, you can't do the 96-yard TD run. They have that, okay? But if we set that aside... Against Illinois State, all of the rushes went for less than three and a half yards per carry. Wisconsin, we're talking about. This isn't, you know, this isn't Illinois. This isn't like Rutgers. This isn't some team that just passes the ball and doesn't know how to run. That's their identity. And so if you throw out one play, they ran for less than three and a half yards of carry. Yeah. Um, I remember I was making a little bit of a case saying this could be interesting for Jake Dickert against Wisconsin. Um that 17 and a half could be enticing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's, it is the thing of it is like, cause this is the thing, right? Cause technically the thing, the crazy thing about it is Wisconsin covered the spread. They cut the, the spread was like 30, like 35 and a half and they won by, they won at 30 and nothing. So they covered the spread. People were like, yeah, great. But like, that was not a particularly painless spread covering. Like when yeah. you need a 100 yard interception return and a 96 year touchdown run, and like, if you don't have those, that you 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 don't cover the spread against against uh, Illinois State, not not great, not a great yeah. thing. Um, yeah. And then, kind of the last one, we we kind of touched on it a little bit ago. Um, Iowa, you mentioned that there was uh, twenty one punts in that game, which is again crazy. The entire game was insane. So in terms of the stat line, one QB was 10 for 26 for 87 yards. The other QB was 11 for 25 for 109 yards and the interception. Which one do you think was uh, was uh, the was the Iowa QB and which one was the Iowa the uh, the Iowa State QB or no the what is it South Dakota State QB? Which one was which? I literally is there a difference? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hilariously enough, Spencer Petraeus, the Iowa quarterback, that was the one with the interception. Okay, that's a little surprising because, like, that's one thing they'll do is just like you know he's pretty about throwing the ball in the dirt. Yeah, but couldn't even execute that this game. Yeah, like wow. I mean, he had one extra completion oh. for basically twenty more yards, and then but had interception. So like, again, those are basically even. I I wouldn't say one is better than the other one from that, um, which is insane. So again, it, the score line, the final score was Iowa won seven to three, which again that looks normal for a game from nineteen fifty six, which is roughly what we expect <laughs> from Iowa. In 2022, but it's extremely deceptive because it wasn't a t- it wasn't a touchdown to a field goal. Both teams got a field goal, and Iowa got two safeties. So that's why the scoreline looks fine at seven to three. But it actually, it was basically two safeties and a field goal to a field goal, which is just insane. <laughs> I like this week. Uh, Iowa State is 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 at, is visiting Iowa, which is not really visiting because it's the same state. But for some reason, they're letting me bet Iowa pl- Iowa State plus three and a half and one plus one sixty on the money line. I don't know why they're letting me do this, um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep betting that. I mean, it's probably a trap, but like I just I don't care. Like out of just like I I can't. I literally cannot not bet that. Like I don't care. Like I like I I have zero faith in this Iowa team. I don't know why they're favorites in this game. This is really bad. Like words cannot describe how bad that is. Like it's really bad. Yeah. Um. The true gem of that is, I think the total is about forty. 
which is just awesome. 40 in a college football game. Like, I know Iowa State is rebuilding, and I guess that means that they probably aren't good. But, like, how – like, and you probably – theoretically, I guess Iowa's offense can only improve from here, theoretically. But, like, man, like, you can't – like – it was a D2 team. Like, what are you doing? Like, you don't even yeah. score a touchdown against a D2 team. Like, we, we said about this, like, somehow this Iowa team made the, they somehow made the the Big Ten Conference Championship last year. We're like, this is insanely fraudulent. They got destroyed. But, like, this is, like, new levels of fraudulent. Like, this is now finally, like, okay, yeah, we actually suck. We're going to suck this year now. Like, we were okay last year, and we got lucky on a couple of teams. And, again, they got lucky against Nebraska. Again, we talk about Nebraska. They got lucky against Nebraska there in the final game of the season to even make the championship. But, like, it's just, like, I, like, you have to start fading this team. Like, they're giving you three and a half points. It's probably a trap, but, like, Iowa State could just crush them. Like, this could just be really bad. Like, I don't know. I got. I've got to take the points in the money line on that one. Yeah. I. Is it crazy to say? Can they score over three points? <laughs> well, actually, you know what? That's an issue. What is the team total? What's the team total? Iowa over twenty three. Yeah, twenty three twenty. Like I said, the total. <laughs> yeah. So. Jeez. Actually, they they have Iowa over twenty three and a half, and they have Iowa State over sixteen and a half. But over my over sixteen and a half shade of the minus one thirty five. But. Um, that Boy. that yeah, that seems. Oh. Wait, that's weird. So how can they have? They have like a. That's an eight point difference, but the spread is three and a half. They yeah, they don't some... even believe it. They're like, yeah, whatever. This is probably wrong. <laughs> so nobody puts the two together. That's probably there's value on one of those. I just don't know which one it is. But I'll probably yep. just I'll just take the points because this could be like, can they win this game three nothing? Like is that? I don't even know that. I'm, yeah. I don't. I like no. I, I refuse to not bet against this Iowa team. Yeah, I I, I can't argue with you on that one. <clears throat> okay, um, get to some week two games. Uh, first one I've got here that I want to talk about: Alabama at Texas. Um, Alabama opened it. I don't know if they opened at eighteen, but they're they're given twenty now. Um, I I. I can't make any case for Texas here. I just can't. Sark apparently at a press conference said that he said at the press conference, this game is not a judge of where we are as a program. Yeah. Alabama spread. <laughs> I, I don't like, I don't like, if you say that, I don't care what, what else you say. Like you could say, I'm just kidding. Like, no, it's done. Alabama spread. I don't care. Like this is going to be, this has the markings of we are like, that is Sark saying we are going to get crushed and there's nothing we could do about it. And like, yeah, this could be really bad. I think this is like, but again, this is what Alabama does, right? They just shred teams. And this is the thing. This isn't like, like, I think that they're just going to shred this team. Like Alabama spread, Alabama first half spread is, I think, 11 and a half minus 102, minus 105. That's not bad at wow. all. Yeah. Um, No. And I like Bryce Young over two and a half passing touchdowns or whatever, whatever that line comes out as like, they're just going to shred this, this Texas defense. Yep, and maybe they I, can stop Bijan. Like they're gonna be like they'll they're gonna keep, keep running Bijan Robinson and and stuff. But like they're gonna be better on on passing. Like they're gonna be able to shut down Quinn Ewers. But maybe they can have some. Maybe Bijan Robinson can have some success with something. But no, I I 
they're gonna they're gonna shut them down on defense. Like they're just gonna score at will, and then they're gonna they're not gonna, they're gonna stop Texas from doing anything. Like they might be scoring, they might be covering the minus twenty at the half. To be honest with you, I think they will. But the problem is that we get we get to take advantage of this line because Texas is is a very public team. A lot of money comes in on Texas on any given week. So we that means we get to bet we we get to bet this under three scores. So yay 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 us. Um. So yeah, we just like yeah, this could be really bad. I am like this is this is at noon. There's not a lot of other games on at noon. Duke Northwestern is actually on at noon. I'll be watching this game, but yeah, they're gonna this they, this game could be over by the by the second quarter. I yeah, I think the first half is the play there. Who knows, like you know, when it just gets way out of hand. I don't know if they'd cut it to under under twenty one, but I think that first half is probably a a safer play. The interesting thing is I could see Sark drawing up like a couple of cool of cute plays. Like we could see like Alabama score a touchdown and then Texas score a touchdown and then Alabama scores a touchdown, but then they, they get an intercept. Like then they just stop Texas from scoring. So theoretically, if you want, wait, if, if once Texas scores, assuming it's like seven, seven or something, immediately log into your book and then just hammer that, whatever that spread is at that point, it's probably like 13 and a half mm. or something. Cause like, yeah. I could see that, like I could see Stark drawing up one really cute touchdown play that stumps Nick Saban and then Saban's like, okay, now we're going to, now you're done. You're done. Now. We're gonna, <laughs> that's enough fun for you for today. <laughs> okay. Um, next Tennessee at Pitt. Um, this opened at, at Tennessee giving five. Now it's up to six and a half. Um, yeah. I might just have, an unfair bias against Pitt because their quarterback's a wet blanket and their coach is an idiot. But man, I can't see them hanging with Tennessee. Tennessee is just going to score so many points. Got to point out too, that West Virginia dropped a lot of passes that JT Daniels threw on the money. And that shouldn't be surprising. If you're familiar with um, Jared Diggy, who was the quarterback before JT Daniels, they probably just weren't used to having, ball thrown right at them um i think that tennessee might not punt more than once all game wow and i see Pitt punting at least three times <laughs> i i like here's the thing i i completely agree with that and i could see it like i could see Pitt. i could see tennessee win this game by like 21 and i think that's probably the modal outcome but like watching that that Pitt west virginia game when you just saw that pass deflect off of the the West Virginia's wide receiver's hands right into the Pittsburgh the Pitts player the Pitt player and then like the Pitt um, D back and then just running it down for a pick six like I just that was traumatizing I mean I had the plus seven and a half so it wasn't <laughs> particularly traumatizing but like I was just like this is really like this is ridiculous and like I worry that something like that could happen again and like. Pitt has no business hanging around in this game, but I feel like it's dangerous. I would love to play, and I probably will end up playing Hendon Hooker, the the quarterback for uh, Tennessee, over passing touchdowns, and we could do some. You could do some of those plays, but like, yeah, no, I like I'd rather play some props on that. But like six and a half, I think six and a half is about right. But like, I worry that something bad, like something just stupid, will happen, and then they'll end up losing by like four or something, and then you're like, ah, could have had it, but no, it's I, I worry about that one a lot. What do you think that number on Hooker will be? Like four? No, it'll be like two and a half, and you'll probably you'll wow, probably get plus money really? in the over two and a half. You probably will get plus money in the over two and a half. They usually don't have those lines as that as as that large, but uh, we'll have to see. Um, but if yeah, if it's over two and a half, even like over two and a half, even money up, I, I'll take that. Yeah, if it's like if I get like plus one twenty on over two and a half, I'll take that for sure. So I didn't see any of Ten State, Tennessee. Sorry, hosting Ball State. That just wasn't a game I was going to watch. 
Um, but I had heard that Tennessee was snapping the ball um, basically like six seconds on average um, from the end of the preceding play. Wow. It's they're, yeah. They're, I just I can't see them. And again, that's gonna be that many possessions. I can't see Pitt just just trading punches with them. Yeah, I think it's gonna take a handful of stupid plays. And I don't know, can they get that lucky again? I I don't know. I I, I like Tennessee here. Um, that yeah, that when it opened at five, that seemed really really short to me. But again, I might be biased too. So, um, Kentucky is getting seven. At the swamp. That's that's changed now. I think it is. That line's moved around a lot. I've seen it in different. I've seen it at different places in different. It's now five, I guess. But I've seen it bounce around. I saw it four and a half, and I saw it seven. I've seen it. It's now five. It, it's bouncing all over the place. Um, but it's for me. This is danger. Uh, like because every year, this is always the one that trips. Florida always gets tripped up by Kentucky. And we actually kind of like as a season, we kind of like Kentucky and, and Will Levis, their their quarterback. I'm scared. Now again, we, we just had a great section where we had a glowing review of Billy Napier and smart decision making, and maybe this year is different. Maybe they don't do something stupid this year. But like that's a little dangerous for me. I'm I'm really surprised that Florida is getting points here. I thought maybe Kentucky Kentucky's actually, I believe, higher rated than ranked than Florida right now. Um, no, basically even, depending on the poll. Florida's ranked higher in the AP, but they're basically even in the a- in the coaches. But I don't know. I worry about this game from a Florida standpoint. I, I worry that I worry Florida's not going to be able to to do that. Uh, like I, I worry something stupid's going to happen, and, and Kentucky will 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 cover or win this game outright. What do you think? Um, you know, I don't like to play transitive pro- properties, but just for some context, I'm curious. Do you think? If we take quarterback, offense, defense, and coaches, coaching, let's say, if I'm lining up Utah, and, and you know, Styles makes fights, but I'm just saying, like, just in terms of quality, I think Utah's got a better quarterback than Kentucky, although it's close-ish. I think Rising's got more upside, but maybe he's gotten a little fat numbers by playing against the Pac-12 versus Levis, the SEC. Maybe we call that a draw. Um, offense, I think Utah's got a better offense Kentucky maybe has a little more speed I like the scheme of Utah and the continuity maybe that's a draw these are pretty close right defense I don't think it's close I think Utah's got an exceptional defense head coach I like Mark Stoops um I think that Whittingham's on another level um so if Florida was basically, I don't want to say it was a coin flip, but that game really could have gone either way. If you're winning in a, you know, on a, on an end zone interception, that was basically a 50, 50 game more or less, you know, should they be giving more than a field goal to Kentucky? Um, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Um, I just Florida is such an unknown that 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 the other thing too is that game just really shoved it at my face. <laughs> In terms of all the stuff I was talking about, Anthony Richardson, um, and basically he's Tim Tebow, I guess now. Uh, I, I'm just I don't know what to make of this game. It's it's a tricky one for me. It's 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 one I have to watch just for that reason, you know. Um, it's hard for me to take Kentucky on the road. That's the thing. That's a hostile environment. It's this is one I just I don't think I could bet on. I don't even want to make a pick. 
Yeah, I I kind of agree with that. Maybe props, maybe Anthony Richardson over rushing or over rushing TDs. You can get him rushing TDs at some point. I the thing of it is, I actually don't think he's Tim Tebow. The thing of it is, his Heisman odds have crashed. Like he was at like I think oh. eighty to one or so. I got him at that. He's down to like sixteen on some books, depending. Like he's just. And the thing of it is, I like the thing of it is, he actually could be like if he if he loses this game, then he'll go right back. But like if he wins this game. There's going to be some serious juice yeah. on Florida, and like that Florida Georgia game will decide the SEC East. Well, with the exception of Tennessee, Tennessee could give them some trouble. But like again, like this Florida, those are generally paced, spaced out those those games. So like this Florida team, like watch out. And also he could be high. Like the thing of it is, Bryce Young had like what he had like what three passing touchdowns or two rushing touchdowns against Utah State. Yeah, I think he had like five total. Yeah. But like, there's way more hype on Richardson now. To be fa- again, now to be fair, those are not the same thing, right? Anthony Richardson has like two rushing touchdowns against uh, Utah. That's great, right? But at the same time, like it's it, that that Utah's a good team. Utah State is not a particularly good team, right? So those are not the same things, right? But at the same point in time, like this this Kentucky this Florida team, like you you almost start trying to count down and be like, okay, what does this what does Anthony Richardson need to win the Heisman now? And like he had his passing stats were not particularly great. He had he only passed for like he passed for under two hundred yards. He yeah. ran for a, quite a lot of yards. It the profile reminds me a little bit of Lamar Jackson, which is kind of like a worse Lamar Jackson at this point at least. But at the same point in time, he was playing against Utah team and we think has really good defense, right? So. Let's wait out a couple of weeks, but honestly, if if you're if you're looking at a Heisman bet to make right now, I don't particularly hate Anthony Richardson. Like I got it at a much better number, so I'm not betting it now. But if you're yeah. if you're listening to this podcast, put something on that because if they win a, if they beat Kentucky and they beat Georgia, like at what point like if he loses like at some point he's gonna have a cushion like what level does he need to like if he loses the SEC championship game to Bryce Young does he still wins does he still win the Heisman like if they're undefeated going into that does he win the Heisman? It depends on a lot of other stuff that has to happen elsewhere. That is true. Um, but you couldn't have asked for a better beginning than what you saw. Exactly. Basically, yeah. I I literally thought there was no chance. I think I tried to talk you off of that in the preseason pod. And I think you just patted me on the head and said, just just watch young yeah. buck, or old buck. Um, you know, the one thing to keep in mind, too, this is interesting, is um, now that there's some – not film on him. Now there's some uh, Billy Napier film on him. Now that Mark Stoops, who's a good defensive guy, has an idea, you know, does he adjust and does Napier have a counterpunch kind of in his back pocket for what kind of adjustments there might be? Um, kind of the game within the game that'll make this interesting game to watch. Um, no, but I'm I'm definitely gonna, and, you know, that kicks at the same time as or around USC Stanford, so that'll definitely be my backup game. Um, oh, does it? I think it's it's well, it's like it's 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 um, four Pacific and oh, USC okay. Stanford thirty. So yeah, USC Stanford is seven thirty. That game's yep. at seven, yeah. So there. Yeah. Do you have the Do you have the the dual screen? Like, do you do you picture in picture, or do you have? Multiple I can't monitors? do that. I no? I, I oh. can. It's it's enough to stay on one game. Um, oh okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, next, we talked about this one. Duke at Northwestern. Northwestern now giving ten. Sounds like we both like Duke. Yeah. Um, I'd forgotten about the that quarterback at Duke. Uh, makes me more inclined to to put a little something on the money line on the Blue Devils. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that game's at noon, so you can watch that game. You well, the only two games at noon really are the Kansas State Missouri game. Uh, there's Georgia State North Carolina, Alabama Texas though. Like, I mean, that game can be over pretty quick, so you can go on to Duke, Duke Northwestern and see Duke crushing them because there's not a lot of games on at in that one o'clock window. There's a couple, but not a lot. So. Yeah, one that I'm I'm not going to talk about, but interesting in that same window is uh, UTSA at Army, and that's only a two point game. Um, interesting that it's only a two point game, but figures that it might be more of a game that you initially might think. Yeah, I don't know who I'd favor in that game. The question is, is and we won't know the answer to this until after the next because the Houston plays the next window. But is UTSA good or is Houston bad? Right, like is is Houston bad this year? That's why UTC will get close to them, or like because we we said we pencil regression for UTC. We're like, okay, that's it, fun's over, meet meeps, you're good now. But like, like they were still pretty competitive against Houston. Like, can they be now? The Coastal Carolina crushed, well, not crushed. They beat Army by ten points. But like, can they do the same? Can like will uh, UTSA hold against Army? Like Army is actually a surprisingly not bad team. They're surprisingly not bad independent. So yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, interesting early window there. Uh, next game I wanted to get to is South Alabama at Central Michigan. Central Michigan only giving four. And what's interesting to me is Central Michigan scored, I think, was it 42 at Stillwater? Um, they were in the 40s, I know that. Um, maybe 44. And they're only giving four at home to South Alabama, which is interesting. I think that speaks a lot. Do you have a total on this one? Uh, yeah, I have 59. Wow. Okay. That's interesting because, okay, that's saying that they don't believe in Central Michigan's defense at all then. Um, South Alabama had some improved quarterback play. Um, now, they played, I think it was Nichols, um, but they held Nichols to like under 200 yards too. So the minus four at home basically is saying this is almost a, a coin flip. Um you know, I made the big case for South Alabama. That's why this is more interesting than an average game to me. This is interesting to me. And I might grab South Alabama money line. It wouldn't be, you know, a huge money line um, payoff. But it's almost a, you know, a, a G5 version of this line a little bit stinks a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Central Michigan did things against Oklahoma State. Things that weren't expect they weren't expected to do. They actually yeah. came relatively close in that game. Um, but yeah, South Alabama is another kind of interesting uh, team as well. So we'll we'll have to see on that one. That's kind of one I'd be interested to see the result in. But yeah, I actually really do like Central Michigan though going forward. I thought you would. You like you you tried to talk me into them against uh, <laughs> Oklahoma State, and you were right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Middle Tennessee at Colorado State minus five. I. Um, you know, not enough data points on Colorado State, um, so I'm not going to make a big bet on this. I think I like Colorado State here based on just how horrible Middle Tennessee was, very much in line with what they've been for the last couple years. Um, Colorado State, you know, the Jay Norvell blood transplant um, being brought to Fort Collins, uh, home game for them. I think they were on the road last week. Yeah, they're at Michigan, so this is a good spot for them, I think. Is that still at five? It's nine now, yeah. Okay, that seems more like it. I still like that. I mean, Middle Tennessee with all the points they gave up to JMU. Well, the question um, is, think... is James Madison good or is Middle Tennessee bad? That's the question. Yeah. Fair. 
James Madison was an FCS team last year. No, um, I know, but at the same nice time, one. Middle Tennessee yeah. State won a bowl. Yeah, but okay, who'd they play? Wow, did they really? I think they did. I thought they did. Let me check that. Uh, we're, all, we're just going to furiously Google this now. They beat Toledo. Yeah. They went seven and six. Um, yeah. I'll go against middling team from Conference USA with uh, Jay Norvell. Nine seems a lot more like it, though. Um, yeah, maybe I'll just make a chicken uh, money line play and just take liberty in that or take uh, solace in that. Um, all right. UAB, we talked about this one a little bit, mm. you know, giving less than a touchdown. Is that at Liberty? It's got to be, right? For the line to be that small? Uh, probably. Let me check. But I believe so. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. And that's up a point. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, UAB, best conference, or best QB in conference, USA, Liberty. Um, Like I said, the only thing to like about them is that Charlie Brewer is hurt. You know, they weren't good at all last year outside of Malik Willis. And I just don't like where they are, where they're headed. So definitely like UAB here. Likewise on your end. Yeah, I already, I, I placed that bet already. I, I, I do like UAB. I think with college football, you see sometimes lines that like look right, but then they just get crushed. And like this, like the BYU line versus um, USF. South Florida last week. Yeah, yeah. It was minus 12. I got it at, yep. Randomly went down to minus eleven and a half, smashed it. Not even close. Not even remote. I think it was like fifty to twenty one at the end. Like not even remotely a sweat on that game, which yeah. is it's like usually when it's like not a sweat, you're like, oh well, that was you had you're like plus twenty and the game's like tied or something. It's not like yeah, I bet negative eleven and a half and I didn't have to worry about that game at all. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, so we agree on that one. Louisville is is getting almost a touchdown, getting six and a half at UCF. Um. I don't know where to go with Louisville. Uh, I guess if I'm going to make a case for them, it would be I can definitely make a case that Syracuse had a good running game last season, and they still do. They have a good defensive coordinator in Tony White who was still there, and then they had a huge upgrade in offensive coordinator. They got actually Virginia's old offensive coordinator who had Brendan Armstrong putting up ridiculous numbers at Virginia. Um. This line almost stinks, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it it really does. Like, I'm looking at that line, and it's like... Because, again, this is a UCF team. They don't have... This isn't Dylan Gabriel anymore, right? This isn't, like, the UCF teams of old that were really, really good. I worry... Like, I, I think this might get to seven. This line just stinks for me. I feel like this is a, like... This is a get-right spot for Louisville. I think we all kind of liked Louisville earlier in the season, and we saw what happened there with Syracuse, and we're just like, oh, we're really... But, like, what if Syracuse is actually, like, good? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is the thing, right? Like, if Syracuse is actually good, that means Louisville is actually not bad. And at that point, then can not bad beat, like, UCF. And I kind of think they can. So, especially with six and a half points. So, like, I wait a, little, I wait a couple of days. This is a Friday night game. I wait a little... Well, Friday, earlier. Early Friday night game. I wait a couple of days, and then maybe spring on this game. I think this game could be a, a spot play. Yeah, fair. I'm I'm not going to touch this. I guess, you know, what happened at Syracuse is so counter to the preseason narrative. I'm just kind of just going to say I don't know about Louisville. 
can't really tie a story to the team at this point. Um, next, Virginia is getting four and a half at Illinois. Um, boy, Tommy DeVito just has picked up where he left off at uh, at Syracuse in terms of just being a bad quarterback. Yeah. Um, and now I'm going to give points to a new coach in a rebuild in Virginia. Um, but Brennan Armstrong, though. E- true. Um, this seems like one of those price discovery games where the market could be all over the place and four and a half is probably a compromise on a lot of different opinions, I'm guessing. Yeah, like seeing this line, because I know we usually say that five and a half is the line, or people are just like, I have no idea what's going to happen. Like, I feel like this is like, we have no idea what's going to happen this game. Like, they're like, anything, could, like, Virginia could win by 20, Illinois could win by five. Like, we have no idea what's going to happen in this game. I feel like that's basically what that line is saying. Like, they have no idea. Do you have an idea? <laughs> I mean, I like taking four and a half against Illinois. I mean, Wyoming, they beat Wyoming. Wyoming did come back and, and was able to beat Tulsa. But also, Illinois lost a game against Indiana that they should not have lost. Um, like that, but that Illinois quarterback was horrible. Like the, the Indiana quarterback was pretty bad too. Like they, they that was really bad performance by Indiana. Somehow they lost that game. I I got to think at some point that this Virginia team can 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 put it together against Illinois. Like I I, I don't hate Virginia here. I I actually kind of do like Virginia. Yeah, I can't. I can't play this one. Um, if I, yeah, I might. If if I would, I would probably take Virginia. Just you know, Armstrong versus Tommy DeVito. If we start from there, and I'm getting points to go against Tommy DeVito, that would be the angle I'd kind of start with and build out from there. I guess. Yeah. Um, BYU given a two and a half at Baylor. That's a little surprising. I know BYU just just kind of curb stomped our our bulls of south florida but man baylor is a home dog the the interesting thing is this is now um this is now three and a half so i snapped wow. i snapped the two and a half so that means i can i have a great arbitrage opportunity here i could get the three and a half and call it a day i could uh and I, I don't know if that's a good idea or not though but i could um but like yeah i i kind of do like byu here byu was a really good team and this is again this is going to be another big uh 12 conference matchup next year uh, so we'll get to see this game a lot more often um but yeah i kind of do like byu i don't have my model fully functional on, on this stuff yet but yeah i don't mind i don't mind the bring them young uh, baylor seems to, i mean i think baylor has taken a bit of a step back this year but I don't know. They could still be good. So like, this is why this like this game is actually secretly really good. Although I think only what are either of these teams? No, Baylor's nine, BYU's twenty-one. It should not like it's it's so weird to see like the ninth-ranked team versus the twenty-one-ranked mm-hmm. team and the and number twenty-one. Oh, it's B- Baylor at BYU. Sorry, because this is at this is at night, so they're in Provo. So. Okay. Yeah. But like, it's that so weird. Sense. It's so weird seeing like the number twenty-one team laying two and a half against the number nine team. It just shows how insane, like how stupid these rankings are that they don't mean anything because yeah. the books are actually correct. So I kind of do like BYU. Give me the, give me the, the Cougars. Yeah. Um, boy, that's interesting. Um, why is Baylor even playing this game? Just BYU got a, they, they got a really good schedule together this year in terms of like tough opponents. They actually, if they go undefeated, they have a claim to get the playoff spot. Um, They've got enough tough teams. Um, and I think that was the point. That was the point, I think. Yeah. Um, I like Aranda so much as a defensive coordinator. Yeah, I, I, I can't bet on this one. 
good game to watch though. Um, weird matchup too. Baylor at BYU. Just <laughs> although you said we better get used to it though. It's yeah. going to be a conference game. Yeah, yeah. I can't play that one. Oregon State. Um, yeah. Let's see where is that game? Is that at Fresno? Yeah, it's at Fresno. Okay. And Fresno is actually yeah giving one or one and a half, uh, depending on where you shop. Man, yeah, we talked about this one a little too. Again, is Fresno State going to be caught looking ahead? Uh, you know what? It's not even their home opener, but I'm sure that this will be a sellout. It'll be a hyped up crowd. Anytime that you get a like a, a power five team that goes to Fresno, stupidly, I don't know why you did that. Oregon State, bad, bad choice. Um, <laughs> you know, you're gonna get. If not Fresno State's best best effort, you're gonna get their best home crowd. Um, boy, this is tough. I get, I would just say the line looks right to me. I I this this is a coin flip to me. I I can't make a case really. I, the thing is, I can't make a case against either team. Can you? Not really. This is one where you could say like whoever scores first just immediately bet the other team's spread. <laughs> like if Oregon scores, if Oregon State scores first, then be like, cool, Fresno State plus seven and a half, or if Fresno State scores first, you're like, okay, cool, Oregon State plus like seven and a half or something. So like, those are those are the kind of things you can do, player props potentially. I don't know. Oregon State's definitely recovered in the last couple of years. Like this, I, after watching the the Oregon game and the Oregon State game, I'm like, okay, I think Oregon Oregon State's going to win the Civil War. Well, at least it's not called the Civil War anymore. I think it's called something else. But um, yeah, they're going to win that. They're going to win that game in, in in Thanksgiving. So that's that's um, that that was my first thought. Like seeing Oregon State crush Boise, I'm like, yeah, I think they're going to win this. I think they're going to beat Oregon this year. But no, it's yeah, I don't, I I I think both like. I could see the case for both teams, honestly, but I don't know. I'd have to run my model on that one and see. Yeah. And I think these are two, you know, these are the two games, I think outside of Notre Dame that I had the most concern for USC um, as <laughs> in terms of losable games, you know, I'm scared to death of playing at Oregon state and I don't like hosting Fresno, um, especially since the Coliseum was near nowhere near sold out and Fresno will bring a ton of fans. Um, yeah, I can't make a play here, but yeah, I think good idea. Basically, whoever scores first, just take the other team in game. Mm-hmm. Arizona um, hosting Mississippi State. Arizona getting what's that up to now? Uh, said, every every time I look at that, it's different. It keeps going up to eleven now. Yeah, that, yeah, I'm showing ten and a half to eleven and a half. Um, yeah, this is that game that kicks it at eight o'clock Pacific, so that's ten o'clock Starkville time. Um, Kind of, I guess, you know, when I look at Arizona and what they did, yeah, I'm down on San Diego State, but it's not like San Diego State is is does not know how to play defense at all. I think you've basically got, you know, you've got something on the offense at Arizona, you know, with Arizona between Delora and McMillan and Cowing. Where exactly does that calibrate in terms of what figures to be probably a, I'd say this year, maybe a middle class to upper middle class SEC team who's going to be kicking off at 10 o'clock on their body clock time, 10 o'clock PM. Um, I'm, 
thinking that will be a very full house at Arizona. They've been starving for any kind of football that's been worth watching for years, basically since Rich Rodriguez has shown the door. Um, on the other hand, you've got Will Rogers and that whole Mike Leach offense kind of doesn't give a crap about wherever they play. They'll play in a parking lot. Um, you know, 10 and a half, that's a lot of points to give a home team that actually just, you know, Might has really good. shown a proof of concept. Um, I'm not going to bet this, but I would, I think just based on that, I'd probably take, there's a lot, the, all the stupid intangibles lie with Arizona. Yeah, I, I actually really like Arizona here and because their new quarterback is actually really good. So I, I actually I really do like Arizona in this game. Mississippi State, they did beat Memphis in cover, but Memphis could kind of be bad. So I, I'm i not the biggest, like, Will Rogers, again, I'd love to bet Will Rogers over passing TDs because sometimes you don't get it when they play, like, uh, G5 teams. Like, usually, you like, when it's Power 5 versus Power 5, you get props for these guys, but when it's not, then you don't get it. So... But yeah, I I would love to see um, I'd love to, to bet Arizona in this game. I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah, that'll be a fun game. Fun game to watch for sure. Um, and then last, I don't know why we're including this other than you just wanted to talk about Old Dominion <laughs> slash the awesome kicking game for for East Carolina. Boy, that was rough. That was, oh man, that was so sad. Like, they're like, he misses it, and then he gets a second chance, and then misses it again. Here, Here's the thing, though, because NC State, we were, we thought, like, and we both kind of thought that line was short. I never touched that game, though, yeah. because we thought that line was short. I, I, I expected it was going to be like, yeah, okay, ECU makes it a game, and then they get crushed, right? Like, they're like, oh, they're down, like, six in the third, and then all of a sudden, North Carolina, NC State pulls it out. But like maybe NC State was a little, maybe we're a little too high on NC State, kind of in the same kind of category as Louisville. I don't know. Like Old Dominion, it's it's it was thirteen and a half. It's twelve and a half now. Um, I don't hate it. I think I don't know. You, I I kind of like it. I I don't know if East like East Carolina. Well, let me ask you this. Okay. Let me ask you this. East Carolina looked impressive, and I was skeptical about them too. Not just, you know, they're not an NC State's class. I thought that there was a lot of carryover to, hey, they finally made a bowl, and there's a little too much shine in them. And they legitimately, now maybe NC State looked over them, but they they went clearly toe to toe with NC State for four quarters. So my question to you is: Is this line short? If it's a twelve and a half now, twelve and a half. It, I've seen it bounce it bounce back. I I I don't know. Like the thing of it is, Old Dominion got completely outrushed and out everything except for Virginia Tech just made an insane number of mistakes. I mean, four interceptions and a botched field goal attempt that goes for a touchdown. Um, oh, that's yeah. You're right. They did have that. Yeah. So maybe there is some value on East Carolina. Then yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, there might be some value on there. It'd be funny if Old Dominion just starts wrecking through the ACC. <laughs> they just like start taking like we should be in the ACC. Maybe but, Old Dominion is this year's Northern Illinois. Well, they're just like they'll just you know they'll have eight wins and they should have gone like you know three and nine plus sixteen turnover margin. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, that's um, that's a good point. I'll have to think about that now. But yeah, maybe East, maybe the the Pirates aren't bad. Yeah, um, I'll put it this way: I am a believer in Old Dominion this year and. You could, I wouldn't bet them here with your money. Um, okay. not saying I'd bet East Carolina, but I definitely would not bet Old Dominion if there's a side to play, it would be the Pirates. 
That's a good point. Yeah, because the thing is, they were competitive with NC State, who we think is a better ACC team, and they're going to be pissed because, like, th- that guy, how many how many kicks is that guy going to try between now and end game day? Like, he's going to do 100, <laughs> 100 reps, 200 You're assuming he's still the kicker? Kicks. I wouldn't even assume that. I mean, it was, like, the, the PAT was bad, and then the, like, he had the chance to redeem himself and win the game. How often do you even get that? And then he yeah. just, ah, oh, poor kid, poor kid. Yeah. College kickers, as they say. Yes, college kickers. Yeah. So. I so well. I think that's it for for us for this week. That was pretty long, um. But yeah, great great podcast. We talked about a lot of fun stuff and, and a lot of the a lot of the stuff from week one. And it, the thing of it, it's it's important to after the first week, basically first week of the season. Week zero doesn't particularly count, but there's a lot of teams we were like high on, like Louisville, and then that's kind of, we've kind of thrown that in the trash bin. But we were right on. We were right to high, be high on some teams. I think overall we were mostly right about a lot of our forecasts and, and projections, but wrong in some ways. But I think we're pretty happy that's mostly right. But again, we've now seen one week now that the key here isn't to overreact to the next week, right? The idea isn't, I mean, maybe exception to Louisville, but with some of them, it's like, okay, we saw, we saw roughly some, some, some results were surprising. Some weren't. The key isn't to overreact to the next week. The key is to basically like moderate and be like, okay, maybe this is correct. Maybe this isn't correct, et cetera. Right. So yeah, there's, let's see what this next week brings. Let's see if, if some of the trends continue, if some teams pick it up, continue struggling, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, we'll be back here next week and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll recap next week and, and, and recap and, and preview week three for everybody until then. See you guys.